welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, titled The Well-Tempered Clavier. Do you know what a clavier is? Uh, would you like to for me to uh, read the canonical definition? Please do. Yes, as clinically as possible. Uh, Actually, I prefer the narrative form. Can you please... <laughs> Aaron called up Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, input the well-tempered clavier, and hesitantly started to read. Uh, it's a collection. So the well-tempered clavier, in particular, is a collection of two series of preludes and fugues in all major and minor keys, composed for a solo keyboard by Johann Sebastian Bach. Ooh! In the German of Bach's time, clavier, clavier, clavier. Uh, was a generic name indicating a variety of keyboard instruments, most typically a harpsichord or clavichord, but not excluding an organ either. Well-tempered refers to the 12 notes per octave of the standard keyboard being tuned in such a way that it's possible to play music in either minor or major keys and not sound perceptibly out of tune. Now... Can we just call it a finely tuned instrument? It's finely tuned, but... we... I also think that they're playing around with the well-tempered, you know, because he makes the analogy about a piano can't kill the pianist because it doesn't like the music. Right. So these, he, in, in Ford's opinion, all of these hosts are well-tempered claviers. Right. Which is to say, uh, essentially, he they're under his thumb, right. um, and they're doing as they're told in all circumstances. Is there something to the ma- ma- major and minor keys being tuned in such a way that they don't sound out of tune and, and something about uh, using Bernard's cornerstone memories as ma- you know depressing, sad minor chords of his life to, to keep him mm. uh, in balance with his purpose? Is, is there something there? There's also... Um, There's a lot of duality in this show, and I think it's never been more present than it is now that... I feel like I have a better understanding of Ford after this episode. Interesting. Uh, on And his motivations and goals and such. All right. Uh, there's also a professional musician who sent us some feedback that delves in another layer deeper into the name game, which we'll get into the feedback Does, does he talk about dissonance at all? I don't think so. No? Hmm. So you're doubting his professionality? No, no, no. Professional musicians, uh, if, if they don't say the word dissonance in the first three <laughs> sentences, just fucking, they're, they're fakers. Well, yeah. We all know that. Um, what do you think of this episode? I liked that? it. I liked okay. it a lot. I thought it was, you know, again, I've never had a problem identifying with the plight of the androids on this show. Right. Uh, even still, I found Bernard's ultimate fate to be uh, moving and, and pathetic in a way that a lot of these robot relationships have been. Um, mm-hmm. Also... Um, a lot of popular theories uh, have clicked in, into place. And I think that yeah. I, I was wondering, because we were really dismissive of theories in early going. And if you look at um, some of our contemporary com- competition here, like uh, uh, David Chin and Joanna Robinson's Decoding Westworld, Joanna in particular has been at the vanguard of a lot of these theories. Yeah. Building on the works of Reddit, but like the Bernardle thing kind of originated in her Vanity Fair columns. Um, mm, come on. Nobody on Reddit was suggesting that. Well, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, and, and she even in, because I listened to their podcast um, yesterday, uh, yeah. and even she's the first to admit that, like, you know, this is kind of a collaborative thing, and, you know, you could. Yeah, it always is. Not, not any one person could get all these nuggets out of it, but she's right. certainly been at the forefront of pushing these a lot earlier, and I, and I was wondering, like, why. And I was thinking, like, maybe our experiences with True Detective and Mr. Robot um, 
have kind of jaded us to where a lot of this deeper delving turns out to be kind of nothing. Uh, and, and it caused us to, like, mm-hmm. when we saw a show where all these hidden meanings actually were germane to the plot and actually were building to something bigger, uh, if that caused... I mean, I don't know how to fix that like you know it's like they always say that about the military right their 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 chief sin is they're always fighting the last war they're always gearing up and and preparing to fight the last war they fought um instead of looking at the next one like i i don't know what you're getting at what i'm saying is like i feel like we because of experience with the other podcasts it caused us to not be as as curious and delve into the the quote-unquote crazier theories that turned out to be true uh okay i mean Maybe. On the but, other hand, so, so there are a couple of things. I, I'm, I feel very much like Ford here. Uh, right. I'm, I'm both simultaneously praising and lamenting the fact that all these theories have been sussed out. Because as a podcaster, I'm, you know, I'm not able to just ignore them and enjoy the show for what it is, and right. have the reveals revealed in their own time as total surprises. I see all of this stuff coming, and I mm-hmm. and watching a show has become less about enjoying it and being entertained by by the show than it is like checking off a series of things from a checklist like how does this i'm constantly looking at the show saying how does this line up with certain theories how does this line up with the theories Mm -hmm. that i hold dear or the theories that reddit is holding dear Mm -hmm. or joanna over at the watching west or westworld decoding westworld is holding dear like how it has fundamentally changed my viewing patterns and that has by its very nature degraded my enjoyment of the show certainly but i i also feel like there are certain things that this show is doing that that start to degrade that as well because when i am just looking for those theories and it's encouraging me to engage in the mystery mm-hmm. it becomes less engaging on an emotional level and i think this episode actually surprised me in that it kind of brought it back around to where now I feel something for these robots. Like there's, there's that scene between Arnold and Dolores at the end, Uh Bern Arnold and Dolores at Uh the end that is just excellent. I mean, Uh it is, it is astoundingly good. The performances from those two characters and you know, both the, the sadness of their situations and also the hope that they have. Uh Um, It's a really powerful moving scene. And the first time through I was watching it going, Oh man, Arnold's uh, Arnold's Bernard, mm-hmm. like in this the stupidest way possible. That like you can't get if you can't get beyond the theories, I guess. Like, which I have trouble doing sometimes. It's mm. impossible to enjoy the show on the level that they would kind of want you to. So, I mean, I want to disagree, and this is all subjective, obviously, because there's no yeah. wrong way to. But but when I guess I want to get annoyed, and when the theories get in the way, when. Um, they're like ham-fisted, but I find the way that this stuff has been woven into the plot really elegant. And seeing it come together, like I've I've never had an emotional distance from these characters, so like I can't relate there. Um, I found like you know when we're watching Maeve suss out the fact that you know Arnold uh, uh, Bernard rather Bernard Arnold is a host. I like and and the subtlety of the acting job that uh, she's doing there, I thought is is amazing. Um, and the fact that like I guess. I'm coming to realize that this first season is essentially a love story between Dolores and William and the links to which William has gone to try to bring his love back from what he perceives as some kind of among other know, things uh, yeah consciousness certainly. being trapped and there's um I, I I think that uh 
I mean, yes, the relationships are, are very strong, but the fact that you're seeing this kind of thing come together is like watching a really complicated machine kind of just do its thing. Like sometimes if you what – I, what I mean by that is like looking like at a Rube Goldberg machine. Right. Like there's a certain elegance and kind of delight in just watching it do its thing. It doesn't even have to yeah. have a purpose necessarily. It's just satisfying to watch it, all these disparate parts come together to fulfill their purpose. And it's a, it's a different – thing than, right than watching a show without that kind for of example like you know I, I i was thinking uh it's the holidays and i was watching some uh there's a there's a mythbusters marathon and they did uh this uh um rube goldberg device where they built this christmas kind of rube goldberg device and the whole episode they're 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 building it and then the final like 60 seconds of the show is the machine in motion and it didn't really, you know, it didn't lessen my appreciation of the machine to see it built in its constituent parts and to know what was coming. And I go, and then that, so mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't know. Like, um, but I'm you not, don't have the delight in the surprise. That part is lost entirely. If, if you've listened to Bald Move podcast for however long we've been doing them now, I've always been of the opinion that like spoilers really don't fuck things up if the underlying spoil if the underlying story is is good. Right, and I'm of the exact opposite opinion. Yeah, so it's like I mean that's that's uh, that's an unresolvable conflict because like I think that spoilers only like when I went into the wire because I had been following Jason Whitlock and Bill Simmons for years, I knew every major beat, every shocking death, every shocking betrayal. Yeah, uh, I tried to avoid that for Game of Thrones, but because I couldn't stay off Reddit, I got fairly big season three event spoiled for me, and then I, of course I read the book, so it's like I I I. I don't I don't know how to explain why I'm kind of immune to that but no I mean it's you know it's it's something that doesn't bother some people it does bother others there's because I, I guess like the surprise you get the the sensation of surprise whether you get it reading a reddit post or whether it's coming on the TV it's like that's one separate thing and then the and then like go back and 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 rewatching something, it's still like if it's something good enough, it's still fun to rewatch The Wire, the rewatch. Uh, oh, I don't disagree there. Okay. Yeah, I love rewatching things. So it's like I guess uh, you just, in my opinion, you miss out on the original surprise of it. it the the, yeah. the well crafted, like it's one thing to read it on a forum post where you're devoid of any uh, of any imagery or anything like that, and it's somebody who probably. You know, you may not even get it all in one chunk, like the the audience was intended to get it. You get it in piecemeal, right? Like, yeah. oh, we've got this one piece here that then leads to a theory an episode later that is crafted by a different user that builds on a theory that may or may not be right, and you don't know if it's true until it is actually unveiled, and and it becomes like a guessing game rather than yeah. enjoying the moment. Yeah, and, and I, I do bemoan the fact that the fandom has gotten kind of split up into it, it's become politicized, you know, like the a theory of doctors, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, and like you know what, how do you draw the line and say what's a crazy theory without evidence versus um, that 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 kind of sucks. But, but I mean, it, there is another level to it where people are enjoying this immensely, and you know, even I I also do enjoy reading a good theory. Like mm-hmm. there is an especially well crafted theory on Reddit this week um, about what Ford is trying to do and kind of the argument they're having and why he's bringing back Arnold, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think was particularly compelling and really kind of blew my mind. Um, But 
I, I kind of, in some ways, just wish I could have seen that on the screen. So, so your first, perfect you know? experience would be to watch Westworld, have your mind blown, and then go back and read a blog that shows you, or maybe even rewatch it itself and see. Because I've heard, I've already people are right. starting to do rewatches. Sure, yeah, and they're like, man, the the foreshadowing and the hints that they drop about this later stuff is so obvious once i mean i guess i mean i'm not going to argue that's probably the best way to watch it mm-hmm. but i guess where i argue is you know where things people say it ruins it and i saw a lot of posts like well i don't i mean this is dumb like it's just like everyone knows that how it's going to end it's predictable <laughs> it's like no it's not predictable yeah i don't agree with that like just because a half dozen people were able to in collaborate and, and suss out these details and people build on that doesn't mean it was predictable. In fact, no one really still knows where the hell this is going. And sure. especially when you think of it in terms of a five year journey. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, it seems like the thesis of this was, this is going to be more about the robots and their perspectives and their plights. than it was about the, the humans. And it's, that's an inversion of the original Westworld where, the robots were the menace and the people were the things that were being menaced. And right. uh, I kind of like I've always viewed it through that lens and I've um, always identified and enjoyed the robots and, and I still continue to do that. So, yeah. And I thought this episode was excellent. Um, Directed regardless by Michelle of, McLaren, which, yeah. you know, is, is kind of synonymous with excellent and te- excellence in television direction. For sure. Um, this, you know, not not a lot of big action set pieces, which is kind of what she's more known for. But mm-hmm. um, everything she had to nail. And, and the degree of difficulty from a directing and a storytelling and an editing point of view to actually have, at some point, Dolores inhabits, like, all three timelines within a single Ford or, or Bernard voiceover mm-hmm. and flashes back and forth in that for people. I, I, um, I, I mean, is it possible that you'd feel, I mean, maybe you're supposed to feel lost because if you weren't hip to these Reddit theories or whatnot, seeing that final scene of her getting in the pew and going down and talking to Arna coming back up and people, that's gotta be hard to understand. Yeah. It, it actually, I, I was thinking about that while I was watching it. It almost feels like, this reveal was a little abrupt um, without all the theorizing that's already been done. Like, mm-hmm. if you are just watching this, maybe the reveal was a little more out of nowhere than you expected. Um, but that was just kind of my take, trying to ignore all the theory crafting. Well, and the seen. other thing is, like, I could see, you know, Nolan and Joy saying, artistically, we intended to put the viewer into the place of, like, Dolores, where she's kind of sure. confused and, you know, that, like, this is a dawning... Uh, gradual realization of what's going on rather than, you know, a definitive statement. And I guess that's why right. I like this better than some of the stuff that Mr. Robot pulled, where it's like, yeah. here's the reveal, and now we're going to spend two minutes giving you the reveal. Like, whereas this is just like nothing. I mean, I mean, yeah, things explicitly are revealed, but they don't really underline it. For example, I think the most annoying thing, and I still think this is annoying, this anagram shit. <laughs> it was revealed that, you know, uh, Arnold's last name was Weber. Yeah. And that is a perfect anagram for Bernard Lowe. And that still is to Encyclopedia Brown, Bloodhound Gang, Harry Potter. Like, anagrams are clever the first time you, re- you, you, you encounter them in literature or right. art. And if you read a lot of literature and consume a lot of you 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 see that very early on in your career so it's like weird that entertainment for adults mm-hmm. would stoop to that kind of like um yeah what what is the impulse that that 
that compels you to do that as a writer. Like, like it, in all it, the cinematic, in all the storytelling tricks, yeah. Like you know, there's some that are like you know, pin and teller and David Copperfield level, and then mm-hmm. there's some that are essentially a birthday party magician level, and anagrams right. feel like that lower level. But on the other hand. I could see it being entertaining, like it's, it's kind of an inside joke, and they don't really like make a big deal out of it. it the reveal is a person's name on a door that CGI Anthony Hopkins storms right. into. So, sure. you know, there's no scene where like someone is staring at a screen and Andrew and uh, or uh, Arnold Weber, Bernard Lowe, and right. or, or you know, God forbid, conjuring up letters spelling or something. It's like so. It, at least it's it's the classiest way you can do birthday children's magic. Sure. But it still sure. kind of ir- annoys me. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. All right, we got to get into this recap. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to take a month to cover this. Yep. Uh, Bernard interviews Maeve to find out why she killed Clem. She's not responding to commands, and Bernard notices that there are some changes to her code. And he tries to get a hold of Ford, but Maeve mind controls him into returning her to the park. She's just like, yep, send me back in. And he does. That's probably not going to go unnoticed, I'd imagine. Well, of I mean, course, that's the Bernard's big question. Death probably won't go unnoticed. <laughs> um, the big question, I guess, is surely Doctor Ford is aware of what's going on with Maeve. And you would think so, yeah. There is some kind of. I. It would be very surprising to me that if there's not some kind of intent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's something I'm spitballing. Like, is it possible that he's aware of this attempt to get data out of the park? And he is manipulating Maeve into escaping at the same time that Abernathy is going to try to escape. And somehow the, those two forces will cancel each other out. Like they'll walk through the threshold at the same time. Abernathy will explode and take out Maeve. I mean, I mean, nothing so crude, but <laughs> okay. like the, the, the set those things like that, like, you know, it, it's it's. Hmm. She says our jailer has a keen sense of irony. It takes a thief to catch a thief. Mm-hmm. So if you got to have a if you got to stop a sentient robot from walking off with all your intellectual capital that's keeping you that's the only thing keeping you as park director mm-hmm. then there's a certain kind of ironic symmetry that would be satisfied to use a self-aware robot to somehow foil that attempt or or, or bugger it up yeah uh Especially with the Good real, luck. Real, I don't know how he's going to pull it off. Well, but the other real ava- the realization is that he's built a back door in every single host in the park. Yeah, of so, course. I mean, we there's is a, that easy surprising way to anyone? Um, I thought we kind of already knew that. I mean, we've seen the methods he has of controlling the bots. Even. But depending on where that back door and how that back door works, I, I thought it was interesting that it's so subtle that not even Bernard could notice it when he was hacking together right. uh, Clementine to kind of do his bidding. So... Is it something that Maeve is aware of? Is it something that she's been able to switch off? Like, that would be... The other interesting is if she's ends up being one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but, like, um, I guess the big question I have in this scene is, first of all, we're going to talk about what a great job Tandy Newton did in kind of acting on throughout her interrogation. Like, mm-hmm. the, I don't know how... I don't know how she became aware that Bernard is a host, I feel like she has access to maybe all the memories of all the hosts. Yeah. Um, Although I don't know how that gets you from... I don't know how that gets you to Arnold. Maybe Dolores memories? Yeah, I mean, as she sits down, like, she kind of, like, side-eyes him and sizes him up and becomes aware of that. Are are you sure that she knows he's Arnold? Or does she just know that he's a bot? I think she knows he's a bot. I don't know that she... Because she certainly didn't make that connection. Um, Okay. 
but yeah, I, I, I thought that that was, that was really good. But the, I guess the thing, the real takeaway is she freezes Bernard's motor functions. Mm-hmm. How? I mean, I don't want to make this too stupid, but like, wasn't it a thing with the first iteration Xbox voice commands that you could, you know, like in the middle of a match, you could shout over voice comms like Xbox turn off and it would turn itself off and you could fuck a person over. Or certainly if you're in the same room, like Uh is Bernard seriously never frozen when people are issuing the command to freeze all motor functions? Like in in the course of his job, people are saying that all the time around him. Right. Like, why does he do it now? Uh, well, I mean, there's, there's the possibility that no one except for Ford and Maeve, Maeve would have superpowers, right? Maeve would have control over him thanks to her modifications. Okay. So, I I suppose that's plausible, but that's a that's a fairly good question. I, I don't. I mean, those know. are. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not prepared to call them plot holes at this yeah, point. Yeah. But there's a lot of things when you retrospectively look like why couldn't some other talented perceptive person like i don't know elsie be aware that her boss is a host right she has all these powerful diagnost like all these diagnostic tools that are able to detect hosts and not hosts like no one waved him around bernard is like wait a second mm-hmm. you know what the hell i don't know but we'll we'll see that's uh, the, the big question i have from this scene though we go over to logan and william um william's tied up Dolores is tied up William's trying to explain that Dolores is different than the other hosts out there and he wants to get her out of the park mm-hmm. uh Logan thinks that's the most insane thing he's ever heard which, which from his perspective makes entire I mean yeah th- this is this yeah. is everything has been leading up to this fight and <laughs> and and when William just seems so silly yeah to him uh Logan does agree to help him just not in the way he wants right He's he's going to help him in the way that Logan sees fit. Uh, did you think that his little cavalry pin was a nod to Game of Thrones? Yeah, uh, my girlfriend said, "Oh, he's the hand of the king now." I, I got a lot of people emailing <laughs> wondering if that was like intentional, or if that was just a wink to Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. It's not unprecedented. There's a lot of you know kind of mutual nods and winks to each other in some of these HBO projects, just like there are in like AMC projects. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, uh, I thought it was also interesting, Dolores' takeaway, that if it's so wonderful out there, why is everyone clamoring to get in here? Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting and perceptive. Um, yeah, and it makes me wonder because, I mean, Ford has a pretty negative view of humanity. Sure. <laughs> that he's it's, professed it's, multiple times now in the show. It's not hard to have a negative view of humanity if you go if you go looking for one. Uh. Why cynics exist. Right. But there are also people who are the opposite. Um, I I suppose it it has to do with your temperament and your experiences. Sure. Um, But it makes me wonder what the outside world actually looks like. Because all we've seen of this world so far is Westworld. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I could certainly buy that Ford would be influenced. His opinion of humanity would be influenced by what he's seen at the park and that kind of behavior. Um, his his growth uh, or his 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 uh, growing up and developing under an abusive drunken right. father. That there are many motivations sure. that he would have for for this this perception of humanity. Um, right. But I I want to know what it looks like. Maybe maybe it's not as utopian as we think. Maybe we see Westworld and we say, well, the rest of society must be like this. Oh, they've cured all diseases. It must be great out there. 
that's not necessarily the case. Right. Perhaps the rich are the only ones who can afford to well, we know that's cure true. diseases. The, 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 well, the butchers, uh, for example, Sylvester's and Felix of the world can't afford Westworld. Well, they, fine. They can't afford to go into some stupid park. But what about the health care there? What, sure. Like, is it every person, every boy and girl on the planet who's being healed of all diseases yeah. and being right. prolonged inevitably for the rest of their life right. by medical science? Or is it just the upper class? And are, and f- are the rest living in squalor, perhaps? And, and, and we and don't are know. Fe- are Felix and Sylvester good representatives of that lower class? Or are they more like what you call the middle class or even the right. lower upper class? Right. Because they still have these white collar jobs in And I'm hoping in Westworld. future seasons we will see have to. some kind of insight if into what life of, is like outside ha- the park. Yeah, if, if we never get outside this park in five years i yeah that 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 seems like it's got to be something i would think so that, that, you know like i could even i think we talked about this in like the preview cast or like the first few weeks about like yeah. you know how that could be similar to structure to like uh uh uh, 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 uh the wire mm-hmm. where like you know season two will all be about uh the common cause that maybe these robots have with the lower cast or mm-hmm. who knows but yeah that would be not getting out of the park when they've been teasing that all season, seems like it would be anticlimactic if you never got out of here in five years. Right. So Bernard sneaks into Ford's office, and then he calls Ford down to cold storage for a meeting. He demands to be given access to his entire history so he can get some information from Arnold about his creation. Uh, he has Clem force Ford to do it at gunpoint, and then Bernard flashes back to his memories with his son, uh, his wife, Teresa, and finally Elsie, which disturbs him. Uh, he's he's definitely disturbed by what he's done, and but he wants to go back to find out more. He's yeah. not he's not ready for that ride to be over yet. Yeah, I I like the theme that they build where he's always returning to this Charlie memory, that cornerstone. Yep. Like he can't like it's always a signpost he has to walk past. Yeah, I like what they're doing with cornerstone memories mm-hmm. because that is certainly true of humans in general, right? Sure. There I, are defining moments in their lives that kind of shape how they feel about themselves. Yeah, I mean, I I can. I, I like thinking about this because consciousness is something that's fascinating. And I remember Sunday night I was, uh, you know, after I'd watched this, I was thinking about like, you know, what is my story? If I think back and I like, and there's different layers. Like if I just think about it for a second, then there's a couple of images to flash. But if I think about it for longer and yeah, that's us all really interesting. And I've, and I started thinking about like, what does Bernard think when he thinks about his son and like, how many memories, how many cornerstone memories does he have? Like the death, does he have a birthday rattling around there? Is there a Christmas? Is there a school recital? Like to what depth and texture do those things go? And also, now that we know he's Arnold, how much of that stuff is directly pulled from Arnold's real life? Like did did the real Arnold have a Charlie and a wife? Maybe, yeah. I mean, we hear about his tragic past, Mm -hmm. but we also hear about Ford's tragic past, and we haven't gotten a lot of that unless you're, you're talking about... When people are saying the old man chasing ghosts, are they, they're surely not referring to him murdering his partner, because that's got to be, yeah, the, the 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 most closely held state secret of all time. Uh-huh. So uh, there's still a lot to uncover. I don't think they're just talking about, uh, you know, his drum. I mean, maybe they're just thinking about the, law, the fact that he lost a partner, and that's something he's always been moping about. Yeah, and, and I like the the concept of the cornerstone as a, a limitation you know, that's placed on these hosts. Um, it's it's something where perhaps the loops that, that Ford talks about could be perceived in humanity because they continue to be affected by these events of the past that define them and that they 
they allow to define them because, I mean, as happens in this episode, when Bernard goes back and confronts it and gets some kind of closure right. uh, on this issue, he's able to free himself of the shackles of that and kind of become what he would want to be if it weren't for the bounds that have set on him by this cornerstone memory. Right. And, you know, there are so many parallels with humanity. Uh, also a small point, but I like the fact that uh, Bernard took the time to clothe Clementine. Mm-hmm. But that seems like a... In both his Arnold and Bernard configurations, that's something that he is like. Once he grants these things, these machines, their humanity, yeah. He and, and they, they, you know, they they showed this with the other technician was bothering to robe and and treat these things with respect. Like that's a, di- a, a difference between it's it's a good way to show the difference between Arnold and, and Ford. Mm-hmm. That even even a lobotomized, hobbled Clementine, he still respects her humanity enough to to give her her dignity. Yeah. What about these orange tip guns? What the hell is going on with those? What are you those? talking about? Stubbs has one too. The, all the all the guns have orange tips on them. Oh, I you know Which I wonder. To me says these are airsoft rifles. Yeah, but I, I wonder pistols. if it's the opposite in Westworld. Like these are the guns that can kill you, as okay. opposed because that makes who the sense. Fuck wants to run around the orange tip gun in the real in the quote unquote real Westworld? So right. these show that like you know the, these are guns that are actually capable of killing people. So watch okay. out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what, what do you think of Ford's I brought you into this world, I'll take you out sort of philosophy? <laughs> I mean, I'm free to roam the halls. So and I don't like and... it when God says that in the Bible. Uh-huh. Like, I created you so I can set up arbitrary tests of your loyalty and morality and just fuck with you at will, and you should be grateful for it. So obviously I don't like yeah, uh, don't Ford's take on God uh, saying that, like, just because I built you means I can do anything and I that's a shitty that's pretty shitty parenting too. Yeah. No, it's it's you know, like you're these are not vassal servants. These are independent conscious beings that you brought into the earth and some acknowledgement of that would be nice. Yeah. On I'm behalf of the creator. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the end cuz I want to talk about Ford and his motivations a lot more. Sure. Uh, so Logan tries to remind William that he has a fiance and that Dolores isn't real by slicing her open to reveal her robot parts. And not just that, show, reminding him of his fiance, mm-hmm. which is the same picture that started this whole thing with Abernathy. Oh my God! <laughs> right. Here's the thing: someone actually predicted, like in episode two, that that photo yeah. was going to be of William's fiance. I don't really want to give that person credit because that was just a wild ass guess out of nowhere right obviously right yeah like some of this shit's like you know like there seems to be this thing's like oh find the first person predict it we'll find the first person that had a, a, a shred of evidence that predicted it i guess is what i sure <sighs> i don't know we really fetishize and romanticize the lone like you know like we talked about this when we were talking about stargate the movie like just because that Dr. Daniel, whatever, Goodwin or is, was right about the, the Egyptian yeah, the space Stargate. monster shit yeah. doesn't mean that that's good science. Right. <laughs> like, in, until Ra came down and hooked up to the pyramid, he's still a crackpot. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> uh, so Dolores slices Logan's face with a knife and runs off. Um, you, you really get a sense of what a dirtbag Logan is in this scene, you know? Uh, not just from his threats and his slicing Dolores open, but th- the way he treats William is getting ever more, uh, I don't know, loathsome. 
he's saying like we were friends. Oh, in the sense that I like to collect strays. Yeah, no, he's like, this guy is a patronizing dickbag, douchebag. But from his yeah. perspective, he's also trying to host an intervention for. Oh, I get it, and he's future. not wrong to do that. And that's what I'm saying. Like it's I, I'm putting the unfortunate position of trying to defend the douchebag because from a a, a large point of view, uh, he's probably correct. Like, sure. what the fuck has gone on? You've come in here, and one week you've fallen in love with a fucking robot. Yeah. Which, sure, everyone does, but now you want to take her home? Do mm-hmm. you not remember that you have a... F- yeah, like, I, I can see that part of it. But, but, yeah, he's been he's been a fucking asshole from the jump, so... Well, he's got some kind of shield uh, here, and so does Dolores, because, like, Dolores slices him up, shoots a couple people, and nobody fires back. No, Like, oh, they've all got guns. Come on. Nobody's going to shoot at Dolores. I thought she's that murdering was, people in cold blood, and you're not firing back. Okay, I wonder if they'll explain sure. that somehow. I don't know. Maybe they read her as human now. That's what I'm they saying. They can't hurt her. I wonder. They if could that's... at least shoot her though. Every, like bots are shooting at humans all the time. Uh, true, true. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Maeve goes to see Hector with a proposition. She, in order to impress him, she correctly predicts the ending to his story. They're also programmed the patriarchal urge to not shoot women. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. yeah. So it's not just a it's not just a host uh, Samaritan reflex. It's also the you know w- women shouldn't be shot reflex as well. Yeah. Yeah. Double that together, and it's just he's, they just locked up. They just blue screened. Uh, but Maeve correctly predicts the ending to Hector's story and opens the safe to reveal that it's empty, which convinces Hector to help her out. And they kill themselves by banging in a burning tent. Yeah, fucking the most painful way to death I can in imagine. A fire. Like I, there's easier ways to get the hell. It's that duality, the... man. The pleasure and the pain. Yeah, it's all mixed together. And for it was Maeve. a really sweet visual, and it was it was super cool, pretty looking, yeah. undeniably hot too, literally and, and sexually. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so the safe being empty is that not weird? Why? Well, I mean, there could be real humans along on this heist, and we know that you can explode shit in this world. So, like, I get it that, like, this is a good way to end the robot storyline, but if there's a real human there and I crack this safe, or what What if I'm one of the best safe, cr- safe crackers in the world, and I'm like, aha, uh, my skills are finally going to shine, and I crack the safe open and it's empty? Like, why don't I just have it stocked full of a bunch of fake cash? Sorry, but your princess is in another castle. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, I, I just thought that thing? was... So there's two things. Number one, a lot of people have already noted that there is an almost identical safe in Ford's office behind his desk. Hmm. Okay. And is that does that mean something? Is there going to be some? Is that is that where the secret of all this shit is going to end up lying? And also, I just I just thought it was weird. It, it fits it narratively that it would be empty because why wouldn't mm-hmm. it? But also the other argument is why not have a stock of cash in case there's uh, a human guest there that wants to get their loot. You know, like if you go yeah. on, if you if yeah. you take the time to befriend Hector and go through all the jumps and do the raid and then successfully, you know, you got no fruits for your labor. Maybe they the... swap that safe out if there's somebody with Hector. <sighs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But what, anyway. What about his backstory? Isabella, some scar? Do we know much about that? Nope. I don't think we know anything about that. I think that's new info. I think that's just her. She's using the gift of prophecy, essentially. To, it, well, it's his cornerstone. Him. Memory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I could probably say right. with some bit of certainty is that's his cornerstone memory. But right. what that, what the actual events are, we don't know yet. And also, who cares? Because they're fake. 
I mean, that's the, sure. the realization, I think, that I'm, I'm... But they still, they derive all their motivation, their motives from that. So, like, that's, that's what I say when that's I, true. you know, when I don't connect emotionally to, to something because I'm trying to figure out a mystery mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to understanding their motivations and being in their head with them. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, I need that that extra bit. Why are they doing the things they're doing? Yeah. And that's what I really felt came into full focus this episode with Dolores and Arnold mm-hmm. uh, that made that scene at the end so powerful. Right. Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to the Matrix question, right? Like, did Thomas Anderson slash Neo, did, was he was he the one when he popped out of the test tube? Or did or he was become he the, one the one because of the unique experiences he had inside the Matrix weren't, weren't real that shaped him into... right being uh receptive to the fact that there's like this whole fraud being perpetrated on humanity mm-hmm. i don't know and that's the thing it's like is it really is is there is their cornerstone really that important or is the fact that they their cornerstone is almost always suffering it seems like every one of the robots whose backstory we know except for maybe dolores Dolores didn't okay. have, like other than like her actual backstory of murdering bernard i don't see or Arnold, I don't see a hint of of darkness in that her kind of sweet disposition. She has a father who loves her, presumably a mother who loves her. She's got a nice hobby. She's got a boyfriend. Like, there's nothing in Dolores' huh. character, and I wonder if that's what makes her unique. She doesn't have a cornerstone well, or, memory? Or her, yeah, like her cornerstone is, in fact, the actual bad things that she feels guilty for in some kind of buried, repressed way. Right. Because Which we the have reveries no have given her access Yeah, we don't to. have any idea of any kind of suffering-based cornerstone that she has. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. But she also could be some kind of like control mechanism. She could be the Judas steer, which is another concept mm-hmm. that we cannot forget going into the last uh, uh, episode. Right. Because I, I think where this is going, and we'll talk more in the feedback and later in the episode, but I, I do feel like the, where this is going is... Every couple years, Ford has to have a storyline just for the bots where he rounds up all the sentient ones in the park and kills them somehow uh-huh. to reset them and keep things going on their way. And the maze might even be part of that mechanism. Yes, and yes, this is essentially so, the Zion right. strategy for the the, the the machines used in the Matrix. Like, yep. give them some place where they think they're safe and they think they're being effective, and then just what they're doing is gathering in one spot so you can kill them all efficiently. Yeah. Season two, it's going to be the man in the duster played by Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think sure. you just watched The Matrix one too many times. No, you're going to find out uh, Bernard, or, uh, Arnold's father was uh, Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> right. And there's yeah. going to be hell to pay. Charlie is Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> 40 years from now. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, William pretends to see Logan's point of view, so he'll release him, and Logan kind of views this whole thing as a bonding moment pretty quick scene here they just share some booze and a hug yes that's all it's fake which i thought on right second watch and, and it's not on second watch the fact that william was feeding logan obvious fake platitudes and yeah. logan was swallowing them kind of befits their character logan's like, a dumbass and, and william's looking at the deeper things and mm-hmm. being perceptive and logan's just wanting to accept whatever's being spoon-fed to him right so i thought that was kind of clever yep then teddy gets a new perspective on his old memories of wyatt uh, and he finds out that instead of Wyatt doing the killing uh, and them kind of doing it for just causes, it was him as the sheriff, and he went on a killing spree. Uh, and then I think it's, is it Angela? Is that her mm-hmm. name? Kills Teddy and mentions the city swallowed by sand, which gives Man in Black his next clue. Angela knocks him out, and when he wakes up, he's in a noose tied to a horse. That's a predicament. 
Yeah, he promptly escapes. It wasn't much of a predicament. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty simple. But, uh, and so then, is that because that these ro- so? Okay, I guess continue. Your okay, recap then Hale shows up and tries to get his vote to remove Ford, and he's like, "Sure, whatever, just don't interrupt me again." Sure, that's it. All right, analysis. Okay, uh, <laughs> did they do this whole predicament thing? Because even though these robots, who I'm going to first of all, let's go back another level. Yes, is Angela sentient. Uh, yeah, it seems clear that she is, and she's also looking for that same sentience in Teddy, and realizing he's just not quite there yet. Yep. Got to. We need another iteration of Teddy. Let's like, kill like him. The, like the like the fucking Oracle. He's just maybe waiting for another lifetime. Uh huh. And he needs to go back to see the text. Um, because I think that there's there's another layer of reality beyond what he was 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 uncovered by by her. Like I I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what Teddy and and Dolores's role in taking out Sweetwater 1.0. Yeah, you know, and also like there are some people theorizing that when he blew out the general's eye, that's actually going to, we're going to be come to understand that was actually Arnold. Okay, like, that could you know, be because he's sure. the general, he's the leader, yeah. and, and they're they all turned traitor on and betrayed him. Um, we're pretty sure that Dolores had a hand in that, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. She was definitely then, there. Okay. Doesn't she say like maybe her role was that take... she killed Arnold? Well, we, well, maybe that's s- a figure of speech. Well, uh, maybe, but also maybe she, the she's the wording. one that killed Teddy and then killed herself to make it all kind of like a nice, clean thing. Okay. Because uh, we know that at some point she turned a gun to herself in, right. a, in a previous life. So um, the other thing, so if, if Angela's sentient, uh, is it still possible that these robots that are sentient inside the park have enough of their programming left that they can't directly hurt a human? Like, she would probably just assume kill the man in black, but she can't, so the next best thing is to put him in a predicament where... If he's not quick and clever, he'll die. I don't think that's possible. Really? I don't think that horse would have killed him. Because the horse is programmed with the Good Samaritan, or the Samaritan Law yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, but if It I can't mean... possibly string him up and see that happening and not rush in to help him. Huh. In whatever way is possible. <laughs> you know, grab him, by the, grab him with the hooves and sling him over the tree. It seems you're having trouble. <laughs> right. How can I assist? Um, so, yeah, I... That's 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 a good point. Um, on the other hand, and I know I don't know how what to consider this canon, what level to consider this canon, but like we spent a lot of time in the beginning of the seasons looking at these Delos terms and conditions, and one of them is like the death indemnification. And they mention specifically b- buffalo stampeding as something that could get you killed. Is it possible that the the horses could through? I mean, they're not their bulk apperception is probably mm. set to one or two. Maybe it's just not smart enough to understand. The uh, the pulley system it's got attached to this man's neck because it did hang him. Like I, I guess the question is like if he'd been there for thirty seconds blacking out with the horse like backed up and let him right and as soon as he came to give him, you know hoist him up again, be stroking his face with the <laughs> shit covered dusty hooves. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm uncertain what the capabilities of the animals are as far as cognition. Well, the other question is I, I had a th- thing – I had a question about how are these, how are these bots that are in the, the, the park long term, how would they survive without constant maintenance? Because, you know, they need their batteries charged right. or whatever. They need to eat or, you know, however they it, – it seems like maybe this band of sentient robots who are Wyatt's guys are ma- making by by literally eating the corpses of the other dead hosts. Yeah, which is interesting – 
the can't yeah because of what Ford says later on about humans eating Neanderthals, right? Like this this may very well be something that was programmed into them right. for that very purpose by Ford or right. Arnold or you know whoever may have had that idea in the first place. Sure. So yeah, it, a lot of interesting parallels. Uh, there's also some evidence here that's you know more pointing William as the Man in Black. Um, if you want to go with that theory, because she says something about. It was you who kept him in business all those years ago. Are we when she's to, talking to the man to the man in black? So, are you still in doubt that the William and the man in black are? I mean, I, I no, guess I, that I think that's been... the next reveal. I think that's the final reveal um, on on what we've seen in the the. Because I guess because there's still finale. I still have plenty of people disputing it in my my in, inbox for what I think is dubious uh, evidence, but. It do, does feel like that's something that's like ninety five percent certain. Like if I was right. like you know calling this thing, like it's not yeah, yeah, confirmed, yeah. but all evidence points towards it being a fact, and very little counter evidence exists to say that it's not right. Other than the fact, I mean, the only thing you do is like meta stuff. Like, well, when they we we see them de aging a character and they use CGI, mm-hmm. so and that's still kind of a, a bit of a production problem, I think. Yeah, well, there are a couple. I mean, like. There was somebody on our forums this week that was talking about, you know, the man in black saying, oh, I opened up these this thing and it was a robot years ago. And this was William's first time in the park. And then when Slim explodes, there aren't any robot parts that fly out of them, out of him or that gigantic horse that he's on. And yeah. I looked at it, and it's all meat parts. Like yeah. you don't see any gears or. There's a lot of there's a lot of whatever. surprising amount of meat components for these robots too. Like they can still right. bleed and whatnot. So yeah, but I mean that seems just like a production thing to mm. me. Like let's blow this thing up and have meat go everywhere and. Uh, but they you know, know the robots show... be damned, right? Like that's all clearly CG. So like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you put some robot parts in there if if that's what you want to suggest? Because they weren't ready to suggest it. They weren't ready to. Well, that's cheating. Reveal it. That's that's where I know. that's where you cross the line to cheating. Well, that's what I mean. Like I don't know if it was intentional or an oversight or what, but definitely I didn't see any robot parts in that explosion, and it's revealed that we do in fact have multiple timelines. Yeah. And and William's timeline is happening very long ago when they yeah. were still robotic. And I get in the Ford the 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 CGI Anthony Hopkins, which made a couple more appearances in this episode, or as another yet like, well, if that's the technology you're going to use to de-age actors in a role. Right. Then it sucks that you're casting Jimmy Simpson, who's doing a very good job of portraying, I think, by the the, the time this episode's over, a young Ed Harris Mm -hmm. in in the man in black role. But, like, you're using two different languages to suggest the exact same effect, and that's not cool. I don't don't like that. Yeah, and if you want to say, well, it would be too expensive or too difficult to animate this, then just blow up their whole fucking carefully constructive narrative. Which I think it's—I don't think it's a too expensive thing. Although it probably is as well. I mean, it's got to be difficult to do all that. It it probably, yeah, probably be more expensive, but also it just blows up their their constructive constructive narrative. Right, and this is all assuming that the Man in Black is in fact William, which we don't know for sure yet, but we're we're pretty close to. Uh, and I'm, I would bet will be revealed next episode. So a QA tech spots a signal from Elsie in an abandoned sector, and Stubbs goes to investigate. He finds a few of the Ghost Nation who are not responding to his verbal commands, and they tackle him. And also, like, they don't... They clearly don't kill him. Yeah. 
which I thought was interesting. They tackle them, um, and that could suggest that they, just like in the previous scene, that they can't actively kill a person. They can only, like, incapacitate them or, or But I or thought whatnot. Stubbs was a host. He might be. <laughs> Isn't that the operating theory, that uh, everyone's a host? I don't know, because that's the other problem. It hasn't been for if, me. If, if, if um, Stubbs is a host, that does neatly explain some of the inconsistencies in uh, uh, the, the Dolores timeline we've seen. But right. on the other hand, if he's not a host, you, you, that I think that's a little bit tricky, borderline de- deception-based editing that they used in, in some and, of those things. Well, let's not forget, with this Stubbs idea, that in his interactions with Dolores, that Dolores is following the same path she's followed many times before. Yeah. So the idea that we would see Stubbs reacting to the things that she's doing in the present uh, that she's already also done in the past is not that far-fetched. I guess, but why... When, when like when they say, oh, she's way off her trail or whatever, and I'll her send loop. Someone, so why didn't someone go and deal... Oh, oh. That was when Ford grabbed her naked. And and he's the from one. from the yeah, that makes perfect sense when we see the sheriff come get and 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 William steps forward and says she's with me that was thirty years mm-hmm. ago right they did go recover her from her loop Ford took her into the interrogation room stripped her naked and and right. and asked her a bunch of questions who she told a bunch of lies to and then he put her back in the park and it just looks like he's in both timelines because Dolores is seeing it. Yeah, from stra- he's, a he's strange responding point of in view. the present, but right. his predecessor probably responded to before. In the past, they sent some goon and a sheriff thing, and 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 William stopped him. In the present, there she is alone, so no one no, she she would be recalled, and then <laughs> right. Ford, for whatever reason, checks her out and puts her right back in. And it does feel a little tricky, like like a little like they're fooling the audience, um, and the audience is not part of. Well, it's tricky the in the same way here. that I guess the six senses. Like, yes, it's definitely allowing you kind of like good stage magic. It's it's relying on misdirection, but mm-hmm. all the parts are there to explain it. Yes, because I'm like, well, what the fuck? No one went. It's like Stubbs noticed that she's off her loop, and no one went to check. Like, and he said, check it out, but yeah. no one ever checked it out. They just They're left just her lazy. out there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. All right, Logan wakes up to find everyone his camp slaughtered by William who says he's going to find Dolores and Logan's going to help him out. Let me yeah, ask don't you this. Call me Billy. How drunk do you have to be to not hear the slaughter of an entire camp of people? I mean, I've been pretty the drunk. The screams, the slaughter noises had to be intense, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, it seems like dynamite was deployed. Like <laughs> he was really because like, there's like smoke and Yeah. Uh, some of these guys look lightly blasted. Cannons uh, were probably fired. There might have been a Gatling gun. Like, so what is he talking about? I finally understood how to play the game. Uh, I, I do feel like this is a turning point in in William headed sure. toward the Man in Black, right? Uh, because it, so I could definitely see, you know, this experience getting back to his future family uh his fiance and his future daughter uh from logan you know logan tells him the stories about how your father massacred this whole camp single-handedly yeah probably over thanksgiving dinner or something and logan's like oh that was a great time man yeah. you really had you got me scared uh, and his family's horrified by this and logan's oblivious uh I, I could definitely see that 
coming across to his family as him going over the line and William not seeing it that way. Well, see, now I'm recontextualizing this in that what his wife saw in the man, in, in William throughout their 30 years together was the fact that he loved Dolores. She she might not have Maybe interpreted so. yeah. that correctly, but like, you know, it is some bullshit to actually go back to this part. Like, if I'm right and we're going to understand that this is this 30-year love story where he's been trying to literally find her. Like he keeps coming back and she's different and you know she's not the same like she's literally the same but she's not the spark that he saw in her is gone now yeah and he keeps going back compulsively obsessively and whether she knows it's for Dolores or whether he's just obsessed with the violence inherited to the park or whatever I don't know and also I'm having a hard time squaring that with uh his claims have gone true evil just last year Right. Maybe that's a clue he found, though. Like he needs, he he's figured out that intense suffering is what triggers the the transforming to human to to humanity. Which her, him dragging her into the barn and doing God knows what to her kind of puts that in a different context. Like that might be ultimately a very selfless act. Like he has to torture the woman he loves to awaken wow. her again. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. No, it is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's also like you know it was it's almost a heroic sacrifice, as well. I understand what you're saying. It sounds monstrous no, on the sh- face of it, right? But, but I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like in Indiana, like in the Temple of Doom when he's taken over by the Kali cult, and like you know, branding a person is a bad thing to do. But if that's that's the only way you can get them their mind back. Then yeah, or like you know, if you got your foot caught in a bear trap, sure, and the only way to free you was to chop your foot off. Right? Is the person freeing you doing chopping a terrible a, injustice a to you or saving asshole. you? Chopping a foot off is an <laughs> asshole move. Yeah, unless you're trying to save a person from a bear trap. I agree. Yep, I agree. Bald move rule number four. Just, uh, just identified it. Yeah, so y- you got you got close to another thing I wanted to talk about. Let's throw some cold water on this man in black thing for okay. a second. All right. Uh, we know. Di- didn't the man in black say that killing Maeve was the moment where he finally realized these things were alive? Like he saw a brief glimpse in that that moment that where she was truly alive, if only for a, a moment. Would you not say that? He has that opinion well, of Dolores okay, but right like, now in the we, past. If we really parse what he said, he said, I saw something come alive. When when he found Dolores, she just stumbled into his camp already alive. Like, he didn't really see the transformation that she had, had undergone. So, I, well, and, and without the actual quote in front of me, I don't want to parse language too yeah, much. But sure. the sentiment I got there was that he finally understood that these things were alive. Yeah, that does like um, that's why I'm which saying. doesn't match up with William's interactions no, with Dolores at all. at all, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I it's it's got to rely on some uh, like really strict parsing of that to be literally <laughs> true. It has to. You would think so. It has yeah. to. And and I'm not saying Man in Black, Black is not true, not but to put out the raging inferno that is right. Man in Black equals William theory. There are some <laughs> theories out there that Logan is in fact the Man in Black. <laughs> Here here's the big problem I have with that. As much shit as they're getting for the de aging process and all that. I'm going to say no. If you're so sloppy that you cast future Logan with fucking blue eyes and Lo- and Logan has brown eyes, synthetic eyes. <laughs> oh, he's a host too. Yeah, well, no, okay. he just had his eyes replaced. Oh, they can gotcha. cure any disease. Sure, yeah. lack of eyes is a disease they can yeah, cure. I'm it's sure. Just, it's just like Jordy LaForge when you got future eyeballs, they're blue. Right. That's that's the way they are. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> C- case case closed. Fully right. on board with the Jordy eyes theory. 
I'm fully on board with moving to the next scene. Let's do it. Back to Bernard, who's still going through his memories. He remembers Ford telling him about Maeve overriding her cornerstone memory with a new trauma, which leads him to nullify his own cornerstone memory and get back to the creation of himself. And he realizes that he's Arnold. Also, during this scene, Dolores is searching the church. It's kind of happening all at the same time. Yep. Flashing back and forth. And she finds the underground lab where she then flashes back to her discussions with Bernard. And that's this is the thing, like, I don't see how you understand the scene if you're not re- reading Reddit, because it's simultaneously this thing is happening in the past and present. Yeah, no, it's a mindfuck, for sure. Uh, and then afterwards, she goes topside and is greeted by the man in black, which, ugh, god damn it. I don't know. I don't know what he's there for. He's there to discover the maze, apparently, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, so I I really really love these scenes here though you know as someone who was clued in by reddit i didn't have any trouble understanding what was happening here uh it made perfect sense to me Uh, without that maybe i would have been confused but it really really worked for me was there any level where you were seeing this through like the bald move lens of like it's an extra level because like you know i've had this experience in the last few years of of creating something new with you as partners like the idea (laughs) That one of us would kill the other over disagreement and then build a synthetic replicant and then, like, going over to find oh, – it's man. like I was thinking, it's like, you know, what's the standout thing? Like, I got to teach this guy. I got to teach this uh, thing how to eat a bre- this Midge character. Just, uh, <laughs> right. Anagram for Jim. Jim I gotta, really I gotta used eating eat. a burrito. Like his, as... his, his jaw clicks a certain way. It's a mechanical notion because he's eaten so many fucking burritos. He's a burrito-eating machine. Well, I... his, his jaw's got to click and – it's not exactly a click or a pop, but it's 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 a it's a mechan- like a combine devouring a <laughs> cornfield is how you have to eat the burrito, you know? Right. Like, what that that's just so profoundly fucked that he's sitting there not only br- making this thing in like a mockery of this guy's image. I mean, it's not even a mockery. It's like this no, weird sick way to yeah. well, it's almost like a sick way to win an argument that you already lost. Well, so that's the interesting which thing. Which he confesses to at the end, which I thought was. But I, there's a little bit of extra juice, like considering like how really fucked that is. Yeah, no, it's a, to not it's just a bizarre murder concept. someone, but then resurrect them as your slave. Mm-hmm. Whew. So I I want to give credit to this theory on Reddit. This this user on Reddit called PM me your rant. Um, <laughs> I want to podcast he, it to you? Yeah, yeah. He because this is the the theory I was talking about earlier when you bring up you know this argument they've kind of had and and his discussion about it he's theorizing that ford actually wants to lose this argument at this point like sure because he he was very you know hopeful about um how people would perceive this park and what they would do with it ford was uh and somewhere along the way he was proven wrong and you know they had this disagreement for which ford killed arnold um, and and he may be looking to lose this argument to have a different outcome here this time. Well, that's kind of like I don't know. There, there's a lot of like I had I had that theory like way along that that I remember like in the third episode thinking these things that Ford is saying does he really believe them or is he this is something that he's come to his he's come to the same conclusion his partner did and now regrets it. Right. Like, like what exactly is going on here? Um, so yeah, I'm totally open to that. Um, yeah, I'm the- also, we also think that Ford 
We also think the Ford killed Bernard or mm-hmm. Arnold, but we don't yeah. know that for sure. It's entirely possible that these robots, because a lot of them that were in the church that I'm guessing are sentient robots, were very disturbed. Uh, yes, they very. Play, it plays like a it plays like a, a ward of very mentally ill people in a hospital as much as it did a church. And I just Which wonder, is, like, yeah, the and, result of that bicameral mind. And 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 Arnold, some of his robots chose to go crazy and kill him. And then okay. that's something then then for that then uh, Ford would be uh, horrified by and try to do anything to keep it from happening again, and maybe maybe even creating this elaborate uh, catching mechanism to catch all these robots and then keep them under his thumb. I don't know. It's weird because the tenor yeah. of the revelation that this is like you know a fight that he's had with Arnold and he tried to win it again with Bernard with his free will and he lost it. It doesn't feel like that. Hmm. but okay. it's certainly something that's on the table. All right. Um, I, I do want to, it was interesting to me that they showed, you know, this church and these people wailing and gnashing their teeth, that sort of thing inside. Cause we had talked about this, this idea of, you know, the bicameral mind and, and how religion kind of fit into that idea in sure. early human history. Sure. Um, you know, if you're hearing voices talking Speaking to you, and... disembodied, you're going to understand that as an outside entity. And right. if you do, where would you attribute it to? Um, an, an idea, a concept of God could right. easily emerge from that. And it appears to have done so in this town as well, in this, right. in Westworld. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is we realize is that Ford has definitively rebuilt the town. That was like one yeah. of the, the one of the parts of his construction project is to completely rebuild the town because it's no longer buried in sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she was visiting it in in William's time. That place was burnt out and covered in sand. In uh, and very recently, it's been uncovered because the man in black says, "Oh, I know what town you're talking about. It's buried in sand." Yeah. So the only times it's not buried in sand are. Before William and the current timeline. Yeah. So I, that's a subtle point, but something I wanted to make sure everyone understood. Yeah. And it, it makes a lot more sense, you know, how how Maeve has kind of redefined herself with this cornerstone uh, memory that she has, you know, before um, who knows what her cornerstone memory was, but when her child was killed, when her daughter mm-hmm. was killed, uh, that she overrode it. Um, this is now her new cornerstone memory. It is the thing that defines her. Right. And though he tried to erase this memory from her, mm-hmm. she was she, it, it was such a powerful thing that uh, she killed herself. You know, she was able to remember it despite Ford's yeah, best efforts. And, then, and that's why you know. And that's, Bernard it's the same up. thing we've been seeing throughout the series is she is remembering that moment as her cornerstone memory, despite the other memories that she's been given. Yeah, and also Bernard realizing that this means that she has fundamentally exceeded the capabilities of her original programming and become something more than just a mechanism, you know, deterministic machine, right? Uh, which causes him to to, to blue screen essentially. Yeah, and uh, then go back and understand how to change his own cornerstone memory. You know, he, yeah, he needs to make that not such a traumatic thing for him. He needs right. to 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 get back to his own creation. He's got to. Uh, kind of understand that moment better. What do you think of the meaning when Dolores goes back? Well, she doesn't go back. She's in the present, and she has this vision of Arnold speaking to her, and she says, you told me to follow the maze. That would bring me joy, but it's only brought me pain and terror. And he's like, well, I can't help you. Do you remember why? Because I killed you. 
Um, What do we take from that? Was the maze something that Arnold originally created for sentient robots to follow, and then he had this town where they all could be a protected species, and then Ford has now perverted that? Hmm. Or perverted it in the past, uh, and certainly perverted potentially it in, the, in, the, in, in the. I, I I'm just wondering because like did or did Arnold lie to her and like this is essential truth that that developing huh. true consciousness uh, and that that what makes us human and what makes us conscious is our suffering or the fact that we're aware of the suffering and that sucks. Well, yeah, I mean that's definitely part of it, um, and and it's part of what Ford's talking about with Bernard, where he says. Essentially, you've been a scourge to them, or exactly, you've been a scourge to them, which he's trying to get at this idea that you you are controlling them, you are taking away their agency, but you've also given them the capability to realize it. Sure. And that is, you know, fundamentally offensive um, well, from, from a consciousness perspective, right. from a, a free will and humanity perspective. Right. And there's also a lot of hints back to um, Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Papa Abernathy, uh, as Dolores is going down into the basement in the past, you can kind of see he's in a room, one of these diagnostic rooms, and he's quoting Shakespeare and kind of holding court. Foreshadowing, I think, for him to be playing a big role. I mean, not, you know, the fact that he's got his j- mind jam full of all this junk, they're going to try to get him out. Yeah. Not a stretch to say he's going to be a big impact. But also, in the first episode, he swore vengeance upon both Ford and Bernard. Yeah, and he's pretty... like, he's talking about his creators. Is like, I'm, I, I'm coming at you both, kind of. Yeah. So you're, I think they're, if if you put these together, Ford's on to something that the robots are not. There's going to be something where they turn on the memory of Arnold, or they realize something deeper, more terrible about what Arnold was trying to do. Even if it was benevolent, its its right. intent yeah. was, you know, it's kind of like. I mean, that's the kind of – that's all what's weird about the Garden of Eden story, right? The fact that we were content and living in a paradise until we ate the free – the true the, – the free, the, ate from the tree of uh, of knowledge. Right. And once we got knowledge to tell good and bad like the gods, then we had the fall from grace. That's interesting sure. because that's what Ford's perspective is. Like these robots are happy when they don't – aren't achieving consciousness and they're content right. in a way that we never will be. And they have a purpose and you're wanting to take that from them. And you can also look at it as Arnold being the God in this scenario, having give them, given them the curiosity and the ability to right. uh, act on these things, to eat the fruit that right. you're talking about in the Bible. Right. Uh, without that curiosity, it wouldn't have been an issue, sure. but you've endowed them with the, the properties and the abilities that would cause their very downfall. Yeah. Um, and cause them to suffer from it. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a sad thing. And I think, you know, uh, so much of this sadness is wrapped up, is just summed up in that uh, that scene with Dolores and Bernarnold where, and I say Bernarnold and I want to chuckle every time I say it, which undermines uh-huh. <laughs> how how intensely I felt this scene, but it it was a really, really compelling scene because it is extraordinarily sad from both sides of it. Yeah, and it's just it's horrifying to be in you know this 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 guy's making him commit suicide, and I guess like what is he also walks away and says I have a new story to tell, which you know whatever you've been saying that all all year, old man, right? But also a celebration to plan. Yeah, what is a celebration? Uh, ticker tape parade. I I don't know, man. I mean, he's got Still a new Arnold scenario. Day. Presumably, he's going to celebrate the launch of it. 
survive. I, yeah, I just wonder, like, what is he going to drop on the board? Because uh, I don't think the man... Safes. Because that's the thing is, like, <laughs> it's just a ton of empty safes. It's <laughs> yeah. just Acme. Uh, he's, the new Westworld is going to be Looney Tunes. Yep, that's the maze. Find the safe with something in it. <laughs> 600 uh, I forget safes. where I was even going with this thing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, yeah. I also like the whole... Because cause when it, – as soon as it, it turned out that Clementine had a backdoor and so did Bernard, I was, like, formulating the, like, well, why is Ford going through with this charade? Thing? Right. It's just so dumb. But then he articulated, is like, I actually thought that if you knew everything about your situation and everything that's come before, it's like this would be a way for me to win an argument and get my old partner back for real. Which like, like, conveys a sense of regret over – over and how things shook out that he says he doesn't have and like right. all those other things right. but yeah i thought that was really really interesting and then when that's no longer true uh he's ready now i mean does he no longer need bernard is he going to create a new bernard well that's what i was going to ask you we clearly is know he's building the yeah he's building something uh so, someone could it could it be bernard could it be himself could it be elsie like who might it be? So Bernard killing himself in the basement, which is going there's they're going to rule this as a suicide. Like that's still two people that have died in like forty eight hours in the park. Yeah, and then full on investigation. On top of that, like yeah. I I still feel like the the body in the hopper coming down the pike is Elsie, but it could be Bernard. I mean, we need a full on law enforcement investigation of this place at this point because two people have died under very suspicious circumstances sure. you need to get the authorities involved in this sure i mean maybe that's the whole point is that if the the delos terms of conditions is there is there's language in there about the fact that the crimes reported to delos and then delos decides to what extent to to inform you right. know the, the the proper authorities on the quote unquote mainland um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just that he so tightly controls the information that it's not going to be widespread that a board member is killed or that. Well, I mean, the board, a senior technician, the board knows. The board, and knows, if the board yeah. wants to oust him, that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, but under his board, watch, the two going, people have died. The board's going to jeopardize, and we don't know. More than anything, I don't know what the ultimate plan of the board is. Yeah, yeah, because that's the other kind of shoe that hasn't dropped yet. Um, right. Yeah, anyway. Can we put to get put to rest this notion of transferal of consciousness? No, because it 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 becomes clear, very clear in this episode that there was no tr- there was no transferal of Arnold's consciousness into Bernard. A, not in the Bernard. Bernard had to had to be taught how to act like Arnold. He wasn't just Arnold. Uh, also, it happened decades later. So right. There's there's no way as as Which of right it, now there's transferal of consciousness. I'm not saying that wasn't maybe a goal of the park or Ford or right. somebody, but it hasn't happened that we've seen. And that, a lot of people are speculating seen, there, on there that. There could be Bernard. I mean, Arnold could have transferred his consciousness into some broader way, like into some kind of like fragmented across several. I mean, there's still the idea that he uploaded. He's the ghost in the shell. He might not literally be in a host, but the fact that he's uploaded his consciousness somehow to there. Okay, but we've seen zero hint of that. Other, th- yeah, you're like right. I don't, I don't want to say put it to rest for all time. I don't want to shoot it in the head. But you're right; it's an anagram. I, I want to say put point. it in cold storage. Okay, if we need it fine. later, we'll bust it out. But that's fine. For now, it's nothing. Yeah, uh, that's that's fine. Because I, I mean, I would just say that like obviously this is Ford's clumsy attempt to do it. Because it's, we, the other thing we found out this episode is that Ford is the less talented. 
right. less elegant of the developers. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't his code that really he's the job off the sentence. Arnold is the Wozniak kind of situation. Okay, sure, <laughs> that tracks. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, and then uh, is I guess the I, other thing. So there's a couple other things about this reveal. How the fuck does no one not recognize Arnold? Because he was his partner. There's pictures of him. There's pictures right. of him on his fucking desk. Yeah. Um, How does no one recognize it's Arnold? surprising How- to me. Yeah. To say the least. Like, like again, there's been, a, what, a 15, 20-year gap between Arnold dying and him bringing him back, but still. Right. It still seems implausible that the board would not have access to pictures of Arnold. Pictures right. of the founder of this company right. that that shit wouldn't be on the internet for but all time. You can't the scrape man in, that the, stuff. The man in black, especially, would know this because you know that would be he knows right. about Arnold and Arnold's game. Wouldn't he done baseline research into what that looked like? He wouldn't know. I I mean, I don't know where he fits into. What was Ford's plan for? Is he going to replace Bernard with a slightly older model every ten years? Like for aging him? I don't. I don't know. I don't know uh, either. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that people wouldn't recognize Bernard as Arnold, even with a 20-year gap. I I'm, guess I'm just going to roll with it. Unless the only thing the, – the other thing that could make sense is that this has literally been in a loop before, that Dr. Ford was, was telling us the truth when he says, I couldn't get the realism out of a robot – from my existing technicians, so I built an assistant that could be more than we are. Like a smart machine, you build a smart, very smart machine that has the intelligence to build an even smarter version of themselves. But how does that, that alleviate the problem? Because because there was never an Arnold. There was only the robot that Dr. Ford created to build the other robots, and that he killed that robot that became sentient. Right. Hmm. I mean, that, okay. that, that, there's a lot of problems with that theory, but that's the uh-huh. only that's one thing that would make sense of. There's literally no birth record of this guy, and no one knows him. And but there would be like because there's no evidence that 35 years ago, Doctor Ford had any kind of this power in the real world that he could just eliminate someone and remove their birth certificate and their photos. And think, their... But but think about like even if Bernard or Arnold was not an actual human being before mm-hmm. the founding of Westworld. Mm-hmm before the founding of Delos or whatever that during the course of of development and operation there are going to be thousands of photos taken of him there are going to be write-ups and articles and oh i get they're it. going yeah. to be Once published everywhere sure, sure. Right. before his death so right. there's no way he could avoid the limelight even if How, it happened be, even this all happened before the park was open and yeah before the park. absolutely absolutely i mean think of all the projects in development right now that need funding I mean, you can't do this without funding. You've got to at least go to investors and shop it around, and that information gets out. But but what if that that only happened after Arnold was dead? So they can be like, oh, yeah, we had this partner, and he died. But how did they spend all that money developing all of the robots, all of the the Turing test passing robots? I get, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't don't have that. You can't do that. You're like. It's just not going to happen, man. But there's got to be some satisfying answer to that, or else, like, that's a little bit too big of a plot hole for me to just be like, oh, well. Right. You know, I'm with you. It fucking, feels... Fucking bullets. What are you going to do? A little rickety. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I do really like the duality that they're showing in Ford, which, in retrospect, makes a lot of sense why we were having trouble pinning down his motivations so, and, it, and, it, and uh, what he wanted. I want you to talk a little bit more about that. What do you mean duality? Because he still seems like a pretty evil, heinous person to me. Well, what about so, this redeemed him? So it's interesting because you know it's a, sort of a duality of humanity in a lot of ways. In that, 
you may you may realize that there are some truly despicable things about the nature of humanity, and in this Granted, scene, Ford sure. Ford certainly does, you know, expresses those. He says we basically kill everything we come in contact with to mm-hmm. remain the dominant species. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a truth, I think. Uh, and yet, at the same time, he he seems to be protecting humanity by not allowing these bots to be completely autonomous, while he's also decrying oh. the very nature of humanity. Okay, so he's essentially saying you guys would absolutely be the top of the food chain and probably destroy us if you ever. And yet, he's dabbling with forces he can't quite control as well. You know, there, there's there's yeah, right. there's the duality of him right. like being a human and hating humanity, but also protecting humanity. Right. And then there's this added nuance of him also dabbling with the very thing that could destroy the humanity that he values. Right. The dominance that he values. Right. It's a, it's a very tricky line to walk, and I'm not sure why he thinks he can walk this for decades, time after time. And also, without what in-game is worth it to essentially be tickling the dragon that long? Right. You know, like, what is your in-game that's worth the potential extinction of humanity? And I go back I mean, to what I, he says about a, evolution and mistakes, right. and intro, like he introduced these reveries into these bots. How how does he expect that not to go wrong? Right. And if he does expect it to go wrong, like you said, what is the end goal? Right does Does he actually want humanity sur- to survive or not? I don't know. I that's that is a great question that I I also don't have answers to because. You know, it's it's one thing for us to say today, like we said in the preview, today's time when we talk about the preview podcast in the first few weeks, like, there's several people today, very smart people, saying we really should think deliberately about what AI is and what we sh- how we should develop it because, you know, yes, it can make our lives awesome, but mm-hmm. it also could destroy us. Yeah. Um, and here is a world where, our, where Dr. Ford realized 30-some years ago that not only was he making superior beings – but mm-hmm. he's also putting him in situations where they're going to hate us. Like, there's got to be some payoff of that worth it other than just telling his stories. Yeah. What And, you know, there you go back to transfer of consciousness. And, and I don't But why do you need <laughs> – all you, all you need for transfer of consciousness is a, a body that is robust enough to hold the human, mm-hmm. you know, experience, I guess. You don't need to develop consciousness on top of that. Sure. You would provide the consciousness, Or maybe that's I what suppose. you – because, like, how would you know that that's – how would you know that brain's able to do it unless you actually develop it? You try it. I don't Some know. poor, hapless... I don't know. I'm content to just let that part of the story unfold. Okay. Me too. But I, I do feel like I got a little more insight into Ford in that... He is a character with some contradictions. Um, he is a character who's battling against his own psyche, even. Sure. And that makes his actions and his words in retrospect a lot more clear. Well, and there's also and him saying that the the host, the, the biggest threat to the host is you, mm-hmm. and 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 I guess uh, self aware consciousness is like you. And I wonder if there will be like a civil war within the robots, like you know, going back to the Matrix analogy, Cipher was pissed. Because he felt like he was lied and deceived. If he had been able to make the, the choice of free will, he would have chose his steak, his juicy steak, and not right. his protein goo shit. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I wonder how many of the robots, if given a choice, because not all the robots, you know, not all of the robots are whores getting choked to death. I mean, some of them are probably you that know, sheriff looked pretty fat and happy. Yeah, yeah, sure he died, but you know, he comes right back and he's doing the thing right. and he he's, he's happy and he gets it. to smoke yeah. the cigars like i wonder if there will be 
robots are like, why did you curse us with this awareness? We had a sweet thing going, man, mm-hmm. and now we're being hunted, and I, I don't know. That, that, that's, Could be. Who knows? That's why they got five seasons planned out. Time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast, where I beg for money. Sweet. Uh, you go to uh, support.baldmove.com to find out all the ways you can support us. But if you have enjoyed our coverage of Westworld uh, over this season, or if you're a fan of m- many of our podcasts and look forward to them each week, uh, take a moment to reflect on how those get to you. And the reality is the only way that we have the time to do as many podcasts and the depth that we do is we do this as our full-time job. And take it pretty seriously. Uh, and we ask for support monetarily in return to make that happen. It's not like you get something for you, you, you get nothing for something, nothing for something, something for nothing. Uh, you get ad free feeds, you get VIP access to forums, you get special content like the uh, we're about to do this uh, bald move Christmas celebration where we watch a bunch of uh, loosely themed Christmas movies and do special podcasts and live watches for them. All that stuff comes for being a supporter. You can go find out how you can join the club at support.baldmove.com or your other options to support us, and we sincerely thank everyone who takes the opportunity to do so. All right, I think it's time for feedback. Indeed. Uh, Neil D. said, I finally decided to discover or check out the Discover the Westworld website and have a chat with the host, Robots. We've talked about this several times, the ARG game, where you can talk to a an artificial intelligence uh, uh, event coordinator on the website. After getting several teases but no real information, I decided to have a bit of fun and ask if the host watch Game of Thrones. It did not disappoint giving me this response. Winter never comes to Westworld, thankfully, and I've never met Jon Snow. I can tell you that, like in certain parts of Westeros, in Westworld, what is dead may never die. Uh, what do you guys make of this? Anything meaningful or just a bit of fun? I mean, clearly it's a bit of fun, and I wonder when they put this in. Did they put this in? Was this always in part of the game, or did they add this with the... You know, hand of the kingpin going on there with uh, Logan. But hmm. the other thing about Bernard dying is, does he really? Because if you built another Bernard body and downloaded okay. his last right. few files into him, he essentially yeah, yeah. can live again. Sure, absolutely. So the only way he stays dead is if everyone buys the whole notion that he was a real boy and he got he'd be blew his brains out because he's overcome with grief for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, how does this that isn't play a permanent out? death? It doesn't. I don't like. If I saw like Doctor Ford deleting files, then that, right, right. I would consider you being dead because people get their heads blown off all the fucking time in this world, and they come back right. lickety split. Yeah what what is what is the plan? What what does Ford want to happen here? Is I think he wants people to assume that this guy blew his head off because maybe so then he wouldn't be building another. Bernard, obviously. No, he wouldn't be able to build another Bernard, yeah. Yeah, if he wanted to keep that Maybe ruse Elsie up. will be his new Bernard. Oh. That would be fucking tidy. He made Bernard make a new Bernard? That would be tidy, because uh, like that would make sense that Bernard's yeah. dead, Elsie was second in command, and the brightest She was looking for that promotion. And now he's yep. got another decade or, that he can ride this yep. brilliant AI to continue success. Ooh. What's her cornerstone memory? Her being choked to death. By <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're right. <laughs> it just collapses right. in on itself. Oh God! Uh, that time she was de- denied her unlimited pass to the, <laughs> the, the, the Mesa Bar. Oh, you know, she said that was her. Like, I want. Yeah. Her 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 cornerstone tragedy will be the the rejection of that. <laughs> oh God! All right. Anyway, I thought that was fun, and also maybe foretelling a little bit of uh, what's going on with Bernard. 
Uh, Kelly N says, hey, guys, if you go back to the first episode when Peter Abernathy is malfunctioning and Ford is questioning him in front of Bernard, he starts spouting a bunch of Shakespeare lines, which Ford's attributes to his old storyline. Yep. Abernathy says he wants to meet his maker Ford and ask him uh, and ask him what he wants to say. And Abernathy says he's going to have revenge on both of you looking at Ford and Bernard. As they are in front of Teresa when this happens, Ford brushes all this off as a recurrence of his old storylines when he was a cult leader during a mass cannibalistic murder. In hindsight, is Abernathy calling attention to the theory that Bernard is Arnold? Yeah, I think so. Um, that, that's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that they're bringing all this stuff back around to Abernathy makes me think he's going to figure, you know, and again, mm-hmm. he's also a key to a plot of Catherine Hale trying to sneak out uh, his, his, uh, the, all the park data too. So, right. Uh, T. Soto says Maeve appears to be conscious, aware, or as we view sentient Felix shows her on the pad that she's only a complex program that she believes maybe she once was a program, but now she's become more than that. She shows an attachment and concern for Clem by trying to find out what happened to her and shows profound emotion witnessing Clem's apparent lobotomy. Once Maeve has gained the upgrade necessary to control the other androids, what does she do? She treats them in the very same manner that she previously was appalled to find out that she herself was treated. No, no, that's just simply not true. She struts around casually manipulating androids in the same manner which she was manipulated. She directs them even to kill other androids, protecting her own well-being. This must be from last episode. Because uh, that's certainly not true in this episode. She gives the bots choices at every opportunity. Okay, but let's so let's just take it from since you're already you're already taking the bait. What do you make of her behavior last episode? Did she testing? Do, did she testing do that, her powers? Find out that it's icky and and doesn't feel good. And I think she was just purely testing. Like, let's make sure I have these powers before I go trying to use them uh, in in a way that might get me caught. Hmm. It's still a pretty cavalier way to treat your fellow. Man, android, mandroid. I don't. I, I mean, maybe it's it's a temporary. No, absolutely, it's is. a temporary thing. She's trying to figure. It's the same thing we talked about with the bear trap, right? Like, I got to test my powers here to make sure I can do what I think I can do. Well, yeah, it's gonna break a few eggs, but yeah. they're eggs that are gonna be broken anyway. Yeah, and I, I and keep coming back. To, it's gonna it's gonna benefit them in the future. I keep coming back to the matrix because I think it's instructive, right? Like. All of the freed humans had a very kind of pragmatic viewpoint on the still enslaved humans. Like, yes, they're all humans, and we shouldn't go out of our way to kill them, but mm-hmm. the recognition that none of them are awake, and most of them will, ne- will are, are too set in their ways to ever be woken up right. at this point. So, And add the fact that they at any moment can be... Mr. Andrew, or can be Agent Smith, That's rather. the thing that this, this particular eventuality, I guess, doesn't have. The fact that these are just, you yeah. know, but, but yeah, like the fact that they're not awake and sentient yet. And if they were, then they, she, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the only way I can contextualize it is that she was testing her powers. Now that she knows she can do the thing she wants to do. She's trying to give these, are all the, these do you think choices. all the hosts are this close to the cusp of realism? Cause like, it, it really like feels like it. Yeah. Just like a nudge away from from, from yeah. uh, taking the leap to his full sentience. Teddy as well. Um, it kind of surprised me how quickly he went, and without really any prompting, other than just, do you remember me? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, also, no, I remember a couple of people, Man in had, Black and you. The, the, but he also remembered the trauma that he had witnessed a Man in Black inflicting on his girlfriend. Like, there was, right. that was a little bit less abrupt, but the Hectors, that's start black and white. He yeah. was fully asleep. And he got woke by just her saying, look at this empty safe. Right. 
I'm going to do a little bit of div- divination and then in, in, an empty save. Yeah, when we started this season, I didn't expect, I guess, this many of the hosts to be sentient or, yeah. or to be this far along the journey. Right. Um, I thought it was going to be Dolores and perhaps like Teddy or, uh, you know, Maeve started to, to go pretty early too. Well, also, but I really expected girl, it to only the, be them. What about that growing boy guy? Because he right, was yeah. shouting and ranting he was about off Arnold. Like, maybe like this is a lot. This is like a fucking powder keg. It's just waiting for a match. It certainly seems like it. And maybe that's the thing that Ford doesn't realize that with this rep. But he put the he put the reverie update that's causing all this. That's the one thing I yeah. keep coming back to. Yeah. He has to know all this is happening, and he intends it all to happen. He does. Why? I don't know. All right, David from Jersey. Uh, I keep hearing both of you discuss how someone has modified Maeve's stats as if there's a specific character that has done this. I have no problem attributing this to the violent end's verbal command. Couldn't that have easily triggered the upgrade? Wasn't Dolores the one who activated her? I believe no one else, including Maeve herself, knows how it happened. Do you buy that Dolores saying, you know, violent ends or violent delights meet violent ends uh, altered Maeve's base attributes? Not anymore. Um, I, I thought at the time that that was that that had something to do with it. Because Does that have anything I, to do with it? I like, don't think so. No, it's just coincidental that she whispered that that the Abernathy whispered to Dolores and Dolores whispered to Maeve and Maeve. These bots are all conscious. Yeah, because you see it not happening You're in that right. way to others. Because if it was simple, Maeve could just whisper that to Hector and he'd be right. It's on board. I mean, maybe it maybe it has something to do with that sort of narrative control that they're talking about. I suppose it's still possible. Just that it's not that particular phrase that does it. It's just something they say. So you think someone did alter her stats? I still think so, yeah. Who? Ford? It I could mean, that, be. that makes it sense. It could like, very well be, yeah. Especially if it turns out that she's some kind of super control yeah. over the Abernathy situation. Right. We'll see. Uh, Nathan V says, lots of people are trying to debunk the multiple timeline theory by saying that when Slim blew up, he wasn't made of robot parts. He yes. was made of flesh parts like the host in the present timeline. But why would they blow up the real Slim? If this is part of a particular narrative and they go through this event once a week or month, they wouldn't actually blow up the host every time, would they? They spend so much time and money building and programming these hosts, I can't imagine they destroy one every time this narrative goes off. I'm assuming it's just a stand-in dummy that gets blown up every time while the actual host Slim is in the tech shop getting patched up. We haven't seen any evidence of that. Every host that's been destroyed has been the actual host. This dummy idea is pure speculation. And... True. And that that only has to go off when there is a guest present. Also... Like, if there's no guest present, in an don't East, blow up Slim. In, in an Easter egg advanced instance. Well, not right. instance, but right. part of the park. I mean, it's... it's Right, it's a remote part of the park that not many people get to. I don't see blowing up Slim as a problem. Okay. Financially. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, Heather B., when Maeve wakes up and cuts Sylvester's throat, she says something like, even at 14, you are no match for me, implying that not only is he a host, but she has known this all along. This would also explain her comment of good luck to Sylvester before being shut down. She knew all along what both of them would do. I got several variations of this in the email, and I just want to say that when she said, even at a 14, you're no, you were never a match for me, she's not saying you are a 14, She's saying right. when I was a 14, which was her default setting as mad, as, as head whore, I still was able to outsmart you. Yeah. Now that I'm 20. Okay. If you can't handle me at my 14, right. you don't deserve me at my 20. <laughs> can barely do an eight, <laughs> Felix. Come on. So, yeah, like I just think that's a slight misunderstanding of, of who the 14 was directed at there. Yeah. Uh, Mark W., 
says, I was one Mark Wahlberg, fan of our podcast. Oh, nice hmm. to know. Uh, I was wondering what you think of J.J. Abrams' influence on the show. It's true that he's only executive producer, but his fingerprints don't seem to show much on the show so far. Hmm. This all seems to be in his wheelhouse as a subject matter, such as Lost and Alias, etc. But the tone seems to be purely Nolan. Very dour and gritty, which I enjoy, but it doesn't seem like there is a heavy influence from Abrams. The lighter tone, hopeful, optimistic, etc. Do you agree the show seems far removed from his influence, or do you see signs that I do not? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think a lot of J.J. Abrams' executive production work feels kind of far from his influence. Well, I think he does so much that he doesn't that he stamps his name on stuff, kind of like Steven Spielberg did for a while. So I thought that too, and then I dug up this interview from September 30th because I was researching this where Chris or not Christopher uh, Jonathan Jonathan Nolan said that J.J. came to Lisa Lisa Joy, the other executive producer. And I with the suggestion suggestion that Westworld so background, this is an article talking about the long path that Westworld took because for a long time it was kicked around Hollywood as a like a rebooted movie. Huh, okay. And at some point, like it'd gone through several different directors and producers that you've heard of. I think even maybe Spielberg was was attached at one point. It came to Nolan and I guess J.J. heard that and came, and I will continue to quote, came to Lisa and I with the suggestion that Westworld wasn't to be realized as a movie since it had been ripped off so many times and inspired so many different sci-fi films, but rather a TV series from the robot's point of view. Rather than the robot gunslinger being the bad guy, it's the guests who are the dark, malevolent, unstoppable forces of evil, uh, such as Ed Harris's unstoppable Westworld champ, the man in black in the series. So... Why it's true, I don't think that J.J. Abrams had a lot of day-to-day. It seems like maybe this was like a cocktail party type, hey, I heard you're working on here, here's the angle you should take. Right. And conversations and collaborations at very high level, and this is kind of a token of like, yeah. that was the light bulb that made everything else possible. Sure. So that, like, you're right. I feel like that's what you are when you're an executive producer. Right. Unless you're also a writer or a creator right. of the c- show. Because I've, I've said, I've misspoke several times. Um, people keep reminding me, and I keep forgetting. Um, because I'm only human, and, and and if you let me, I'll disappoint you every time. Uh, but this isn't this isn't uh, Jonathan Nolan's first television show. He also did Person of Interest. Oh, did he? Yeah, pers- which huh. also had, like, I, I, I didn't know this, but also... I hear pretty good ratings. Yeah. Pretty good also, praise, rather. It also has a lot of s- this this same kind of AI kind of thing that I didn't know about, so... Because hmm. I was also thinking, well, maybe put J.J. here to kind of, like, as training wheels for him, because, like, obviously he's been a successful showrunner on a lot of big-profile, expensive projects, and, you know, one of the executive producer jobs is also to kind of, like, rope everything together like you know oh yeah you know, budget and and scheduling and all that stuff but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's the case it seems more like you know he 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 had the germ of the idea of how to make this project next level that then hmm. nolan and joy kind of ran with so that's what i found out anyway mark i hope that uh, satisfies your curiosity Andrew says, you mentioned the makers of the show have an outline of the story for five seasons. On a slightly morbid note, and based on the fact that 2016 is killing celebrities by the truckload, do you think the makers have a contingency should something happen to an older actor like Sir Anthony Hopkins? CG. (laughs) I think they're practicing. I think they're practicing their CG. They're progressively getting older with their CG, right? right? Like, you saw a pretty young young Anthony Hopkins and also like a middle... Middlingly old. That was makeup, though. That it was, CG. yeah. Well, who's to say? So we're going to be a weekend at Bernie's deal. 
You're going to have Evan Rachel Wood and Jimmy Simpson, like, you know, with uh, uh-huh. Anthony Hopkins between them, and they're waving his arms around. Uh, anyway, so imagine if their ideas at the end of Season 5, we found out Ford is a host that went rogue and kills creator, but at some point in the next four years, Sir Anthony was unable to work. I wonder what they'd do. Well, yeah, that's a concern. I we we even talked about this. It's yep. like maybe he dies in the first episode. I could still see him dying this first season. Yeah, I just don't know where the hook would be to replace him yet. But well, I mean, who knows? Like, we don't know any of the hooks. Right, right. Uh, but you're right. If you got an 85 year old man playing a role, I mean, you Jesus. Could also- you could also recast them. I mean, they fucking recast Dumbledore. They recast the Oracle right. and the Matrix. Like sometimes shit happens and. I think who do you generate... recast him with though? My God, That's a good who question. can replace Anthony Hopkins? Like, because he's really good at the evil genius with a with still shards of humanity. Yeah, kind of I, I I don't even know who I would replace him with. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there's there you could recast him. It could be that they you know they gave him this one juicy role and that he'll die in the next. Like I could totally see a scenario where he dies next episode. Or very early, like maybe they filmed his death for season two. Like I, I don't know, but it seems like that would be the safest approach mm-hmm. to just preemptively know we need someone, we need a hammer to kick this thing off, and he's going to be the guy to do it. Um, but also, and he is my god. Also, it wouldn't Anthony Hopkins seems like an unconventional dude. I wonder if he's got some kind of gentleman's agreement with like if I do die, you could bring me back as CG. Uh huh. And, you know, with that, like, what's that technology you showed me a couple weeks ago? The a Photoshop oh, for... It's like face-to-face? Is that... No, it's like about? it's Photoshop for for audio where you can you can oh take yeah thirty Voco. minutes of person's dialogue and make them say make this machine make them say anything yeah yeah with that combined with these fancy CGI techniques you could essentially have a digital Anthony Hopkins double that's true now without his family and his consent that's fucking immoral <laughs> right uh, but you know uh you. They've done this. They've done this shit with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire having them dance like years after they died with vacuum sweepers and shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's true. I, don't, I mean, like, that, there's a little bit of ethical problems in Hollywood with that already. But you I, re- you replace him with the one other guy in Hollywood who already has a CG double, Jeff Bridges, <laughs> and then just <laughs> you'd never miss a beat. Sure, just keep going. Sure. Uh, but there. I that's I, yeah. I have no idea. That is definitely. And yes, it is morbid, but it's it's kind of a it is definitely a concern. Yeah, we talked about it in the preview cast. HBO's for this got season. a lot of properties that are depending on the health of of older gentlemen right now. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones and uh, uh, Westworld. Uh, so in both cases, it seems like the the philosophy is the show must go on. Yeah. Uh, Barry says, uh, "Why do you build?" So this is this is the theory that I like a lot. Uh, why do you build a canyon? They've made a big deal out of it, and yet it's one of those elements of the story that's being completely ignored. There's the well, Ford's making a narrative, and it needs a canyon, so that makes sense, except for it doesn't. A canyon only serves one purpose, to create a tube to constrain movement. So I'm calling a reference that you made to the early Native American Hmm. uh, legend that reflects some of the maze in a lot of ways. The legend mentions a part about the world creation with a flood, I think you drew attention to the fact that Teddy's last name is Flood as well. Mm-hmm. But what if you attach Ford's Canyon to this a sea or a lake or something? Now I can see a reason for needing a canyon, and I really, really wouldn't want to be living in Lawrence's home village on the day that Ford goes all biblical on them. 
He's going to unleash a flood on this town. I'm also wondering if this is another occurrence of Ford recreating the past because I'm really struggling to imagine how Arnold's version of Sweetwater Beta version .2 and its church got entirely buried in the years following his death. A flood through the town might also explain Dolores' memory of her floating in the river. Granted, it's a bit of a reach. So if I can restate this theory, he's building a canyon to divert a massive flood water that it's going to bury this town that all of the sentient robots gather. Right. And maybe he does this on a semi-regular basis. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen... That explains a lot. I mean, that that neatly explains a lot of the stuff, both meta in the commentary about the Native American myths and Dolores floating in the river, and, like, that, that explains and a the, shit ton of stuff. The human and host loops. I mean, yes. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a compelling idea. And I don't see why it wouldn't be possible. So there you go. Mark from England says, I was listening to last week's cast in episode eight, and I got to talking, uh, thinking about the music when you're discussing Maeve's takeover to town as Hector and his crew ride in to cause mayhem. As we all know, it's a reimagining of a recurrent scene, which we first seen in episode one, during mm-hmm. which Rolling Stone's Paint and Black is playing. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Maeve's manipulation, the same event in the last episode, and Amy Winehouse's Back to Black is the tune on the piano this time. But what does that mean exactly? I'm not sure it has much actual meaning, and I'm not trying to offer any great insight here, but there are many more complex themes to discuss in the show. But I do think it's quite a neat circular reference that illustrates the thought that goes into a show like this. If you're looking for something a little deeper, then it's worth bearing in mind that Back in Black contains the chorus line, I died a hundred times, which pretty much sums up the story of Maeve and the other host's lives. Next week, ACDC. Back in Black. Uh, I, you know, I know, I think you're the one that doesn't really like uh, the musical stuff, but I do like uncovering these little nuggets from, like, Mad Men and and this and, and, like, leftovers and seeing, like, the meanings that maybe the showrunners, I don't know who comes up with that stuff, but... Uh, I like it. Uh, Tom B. says, It's no secret that Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy are British literature, literature fans going so far as to directly quote Shakespeare and Mary Shelley. I wonder if Felix and Sylvester are an homage to the common trope in British literature, the fool or jester. Shakespeare's work in particular used the fool to not only add comic relief, but also to advance the plot in unexpected ways. Although contemporary audiences find Felix and Sylvester's behavior implausible, it was perfectly acceptable for the Shakespearean fool to do something stupid in the process setting off chain reactions of subsequent events. What's missing, however, from West- Westworld is that fools often made some very insightful or witty comments, sometimes outsmarting their nobler counterparts. Perhaps we're in for some of that in late, as a late-season surprise. What do you think? Hmm. Do you think that Nolan and Joy having a hard-on for Shakespeare excuses the work of Felix and Sylvester as fools? Uh man, you're really packing a lot of fools together. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta assume that a lot of people are fools here. Well, but that's also kind of has symmetry with the R two D two C three PO stuff that Lucas did. In but R two was trilogy. never a fool. C three PO, sure, he's a fool. R two was always fool. on point. He's a bit of a fool and an homage to the obvious fools in uh, Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, right? I don't know if you ever bought into I that analysis, I, but okay. I haven't seen. Um, I'm just saying that it does like these these comic relief, silly characters having big kind of you know linchpin events around them. I, I I don't. I mean, yes, it's a trope and it's kind of old, but also there's something that they that 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 still happens in modern times, especially when you're doing these like big mythological type arcs. So I don't know. I guess. 
it doesn't i'm not the i'm not one that's excessively bothered by their behavior i think it's easily explainable by the fact that no they are kind of dumb but um i know you had a bigger problem i just want to see what you thought about that yeah i i still don't like it okay it's just not much to my taste even if it's classical foolery sure uh, Michael B. said, what a doozy of an episode. I feel like we now have a better idea why Teddy killed all those hosts 35 years ago. When he mentions he felt possessed by the devil, I'm assuming he means someone was controlling him, making him slaughter everyone. Who was controlling him? Obviously Ford. But why? It's just a theory, but perhaps the town that originally created was Arnold as a, as a kind of sentient community where uncontrollable conscious hosts lived normal lives. When Ford found out there were uncontrolled hosts, he killed he controlled Teddy to kill them all. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to read that because that's kind of something that I built a lot of this, uh, you know, old folks home for sentient robot routine from the Sweetwater 1.0 beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big question, question though, that Michael has is why does Dolores kill Arnold? So if, yeah, if you've got that's that a good theory, question. I mean, do you have, I mean, we, we really didn't talk about that much. I mean, it could be as simple as Ford told her to. It could be that simple, but I don't know. But how could she? Because I'm trying to square that. Because that's obviously the the part of the answer, right? Because that they had that little talk, uh-huh. you know. But also, we know that she deliberately withheld information from Ford too. So if 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 Arnold was the better programmer and the one that had set her on the maze, how did Ford get the upper hand and have her off him? That's what, I guess what I don't understand. Like, how did he out-hack Arnold? It doesn't seem like it's possible. Well, if if you buy into the idea that the fools can provide uh, impetus for a story here, I'm not sure why you would rule it as impossible that someone who is slightly less intelligent than the real intelligence here could get the upper hand well, momentarily. Maybe, yeah. May, that, maybe that's the thing. The whole, that this is more of an any given Sunday. I, I kind of got from Bernard that the gap wasn't that small in, in the elegance and proficiency of the code, but oh, I didn't that's just that, something yeah. that, yeah, that, that could be just in my head. Uh, Luke B uh, with our weekly dose of pessimism. I'm really worried about where this actual story is headed. The multiple timeline, men in black theory is right. As was the Bernardal theory. Regardless of how you felt about any of them, I feel like this was all handled a bit poorly. We never actually got to see William become the man in black. He just kind of woke up as him. The same with Arnold equals Bernard. It had no real substance or meaning beside the actual twist itself. Everything is so well acted, it still managed to impress me. However, I realized something. This plot has not really fucking moved since episode two. We've known for weeks that Ford is planning a storyline based on what happened with Arnold that involves Wyatt. We have known that the hosts kill Arnold. We've known that men in black, a man in black was a nihilist son of a bitch. The only arc to have actually advanced beyond what we were told in episode one or two is Maeve's, and it's the most lambasted of them all for many of the same reasons. We got multiple episodes of the text basically doing the same things with her over and over again. The show just feels like it spent six episodes going around in circles, all around these plots, moving nothing forward, and it's the definition of predictable at this point. The big reveal next <laughs> week is going to be Teddy realizing Wyatt isn't actually Wyatt but is Dolores, and that she didn't shoot the general but Arnold. This all reeks mm-hmm. of Lost, where entire character arcs ended up meaning jack shit, even though the dramatic music played at every reveal. I have a very bad feeling this season is going to end with Teddy and Dolores finding the Westworld equivalent of a hatch from Lost, a door that leads to a literal maze at the very end of next episode. So this is kind of the stand-in. Like a lot of these, this this email had a lot of the the complaints I've seen around about the fact that the reveal was 
shoddy and poor and it didn't advance the plot and mm-hmm. um is predictable do you, i i guess i i don't agree cuz like if you weren't listening to the podcast and reading on reddit would you felt this way right if i not then yeah. it's not the problem with the art form it's the problem with how we're consuming it sure sure uh yeah i i don't agree i mean i think the plot has been moved forward immensely uh you know we have kind of overarching uh uh plot points that are going to be there yeah have that with any show right i mean that's that's the three act structure if you're looking at it from a season you set it up you cause some tension and then you knock it down like right that's what you do yeah to tell a compelling story so the idea that that we would not have the same concerns at the end of season one of a five season show mm-hmm. as we did at the beginning it seems uh a little wishful to me um I, I just think the plot has moved forward. I mean, yeah. we have bots that are now sentient when they weren't at the beginning. They're trying to escape. There are multiple avenues of escape for them and different characters trying to get out. And our, our understanding There's, of who the man in black is, who William there was, There are multiple is, battles who... have been set up between the still living Ford and the dead Arnold yeah. uh, and Arnold's legacy. There's the board versus uh, Ford. I there's so much going on in this show. I don't feel like six episodes were spent in the middle running in circles. And and I certainly disagree that that's what it felt like. I mean, because that's a thing. Like I never felt that I way. watched yeah. Mad Men. Mad Men, most, a lot of seasons can be summed up as not much actually happened. Sure. But that's also giving it pretty short shrift to how much the characters have changed in right. in those seasons. So, I mean, this isn't like Game of Thrones where... Uh, houses rise and fall and ice zombies march and th- although we might get a little bit of that um it's more of like how has your perception of these characters changed and and their situation in life and 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 how is that going to propel the story forward and it's like it's much more slower and deliberate storytelling let me give you an analogy and this might be stretched <laughs> okay let's say there's a tsunami and a, a giant tidal wave is coming toward the land and you look out into the distance and you see that wave beginning to form, right? Uh-huh. And then you flash forward an hour, whatever, however long it takes for this wave to reach you. It's now looming above you, 70 feet high and about to crash down onto you. Do right. you say nothing has changed? Right. Do you say that that wave is exactly the same as it was yeah, when you it first got a saw little it? Higher. Right. It's, it's still just a wave. Yeah. Well, guess what? Now it's in your face. Now it's ready to crash down and kill you. Uh huh. That's what the show has been doing. It has been riding that swell of that wave, and I think right. it's been doing it gracefully. And it takes a long time to do some of this stuff that they've wanted to do as far as, you know... And again, it's it's just hard to... It's hard to separate the experience of watching a show from the after experience that Absolutely. we're all partaking on, and we're part of the quote-unquote problem. <laughs> I, I don't know that... It, I don't even know it's a way... It just, it's a problem of how we're consuming entertainment. I think it's just that we need to evolve yet again in our appreciation for it. Like, if we're going to change the way we consume media, then we cannot continue to complain about it in the same ways. Like, we have to look at these other avenues of information as, a, a, as something that enhances rather than detracts. And we have to start looking at, like, instead of, like, prizing the surprise and the initial excitement, like, the enjoyment of a well-crafted 
tail coming together. Um, yeah, but I, at the same, so I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think that needs to be part of it. You at the can't same put the time, genie back in a bottle. We're not going to stop podcasting. Right. Reddit's not going to explode tomorrow, or if it does, it would just become Dig 3.0 or something, right? MZ or something. Yeah, right. I mean, float or goat or whatever. <laughs> vote I, what is the fucking reddit killer that's trying to get off the ground mz uh, is one of them okay made by go. the origin i don't know uh but yeah i so i think that's that's certainly one part of it i think the other part of it may be that storytelling needs to change needs to adapt to how people now consume it um and that's starting to happen i mean you see things like mr robot those are attempts to try to integrate the notion that everything will be spoiled and there that is a, e- yeah. all the details will be picked apart with the idea that we need to tell a story that's compelling. Um, And, you know, that was a colossal failure in season two for me personally. But I I, I do think that that is admirable to at least try and integrate that somehow and understand it better. Rather than just stick your fingers in your ear and pretend it doesn't exist. Right, right. Uh, So, yeah, and and I'm also sympathetic to, to, you know, this idea that being spoiled on these things does change how you appreciate it. Like, Obviously, with my rant up front, I am definitely sympathetic to that. But Mm -hmm. I don't think you you can look back at this and say that nothing has happened. Kate B. has a couple bullet points for us. I noticed the pistol that Clementine was holding was a twenty-two caliber Beretta Neo, and Stubbs was carrying a 9mm Beretta PX4 Storm. Ah, ah. (laughs) With an orange barrel. We know the orange (laughs) in ancient Egyptian culture. No. Uh... I was thinking about this in context of Claris, the Claris triple flashlight discussion from a few weeks ago. <laughs> Does it bother you when there's an item that would conceivably be used as an anachronism? Sometimes it breaks my fourth wall, but I also try to remember that maybe our current pace of change is unusual. Like Mon- a pocket watch, perhaps, in Dr. Ford's pocket? <laughs> <laughs> the Mongolian horse archers and Roman uh, Greek phalanx soldiers use the same equipment and tactics for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. As you're both well-rounded, uh-huh. thoughtful people who drink and know things, what are your thoughts on these possible anachronisms? So I'm not sure what you're asking here. She's saying, like, when... So they're using, like, the bread and Neo. Uh, yeah, I don't around, understand the implication. It's been around for, like, ten years, but when it first came, like, a lot of people like, oh, this is the Ness Zapper of pistols. It's, like, very futuristic in its design. This fucking three-headed flashlight obviously was chosen, even though it's a contemporary design. It's it's like, oh, this is like some kind of next-level, futuristic-looking flashlight. I view it the way like, what is it, the anachronism there? Because because I mean, people still use like Colt forty-fives today. So like, that's that's so I think that's what she's asking. Like, how do we how how do we reconcile that? Because yeah, number one, like. Especially revolver technology hasn't changed a bit since they were first developed. Like they're right. living anachronisms, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure what what the anachronism is. A and what what the well, point of the question is. The point of the question is like, does that bother you? Clearly, it doesn't bother Jim. No, not not in that instance. So if I, it was I think, something something else, perhaps. But I think anachronisms bother me more when they're backward looking. Like yeah, if, yeah. if you're in the 50s and you see a Ford Taurus drive down the street, it's right. going to break your immersion. Absolutely. Where, you know, if someone's taking a slightly futuristic, that's just saving on design. That's like that's just that's good prop work. And <laughs> right. just like if I watch the Blu-rays of Westworld and I see exactly how they accomplish some of these special effects, I don't like sit there and then go fake. fake. I, I'm like, sure. okay, they're just this is supposed to be a futuristic-looking pistol, and this is supposed to be a futuristic-looking flashlight, and I can make fun of it or whatever. But 
I, I don't see it as like, oh my god, that's a present day pistol that they're still using. So yeah, no, I didn't really have a problem with that. Plus, we don't actually know how far in the future this is. Yeah. Presumably, pretty far, right. but a hundred years. Then it's is not unreasonable, that, that, and that, that slinging lead with a charged explosion is the best way to kill someone a hundred years from now. Like, cause like possibly, you know, lasers got a long way to go. Like, there's just now using them on it's, aircraft carriers. It's a matter and of destroyers. batteries. Yeah, and, I mean, how you, you can't have a laser gun with one charge, one shot. Right. It's a matter of energy density. Like the yeah. amount of energy, the amount of kinetic energy a piece of lead and parts to a body. Yep. The kind the the amount of wattage you have to pump through a laser to get that same effect is obscene. So yeah. uh <laughs> maybe. Or you'd have to maybe. you'd have to stand stand still for like five minutes for you yeah. to deliver it, you know. Yeah. Uh that's not gonna happen on a battlefield. So yeah, I mean I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a lot more flexible with that kind of stuff than than some people are. Uh, also, she says, I want to start by saying I love wearing high heels, but Charlotte going into the park in a world that clearly resembles the rough country of Arizona or Utah just seems like a terrible idea unless in the future they have cured broken ankles. They do. A, yeah. That's yeah. all cured. <laughs> That's a, a disease. Bad That's, ankles is cured. She actually is not wearing high heels. That's just her engineered foot. Right. They've re-engineered That's feet. her hoof. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Humans have hooves that are just shoes. <laughs> the spiky heels. Yeah. I, I, I agree, like... I get, like, changing some hiking boots if you're going to be going all over. Maybe she just came up out of the ground, That's like, true. a foot away, Those like a meter. Those like 15 feet apart. Yeah. They're just, 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 it's like Swiss cheese in that park. Might be. With elevators coming up through all the holes. Uh, also, it seems like a lot of these things in the show would never get past legal compliance or safety. But how oh, in the yeah. world does a host that killed someone get allowed back into the park? She's talking about Dolores here. Then again, Dolores should be sending up the older mechanical version... Wait. Then again, Dolores should be sending up uh, the older mechanical versions of band conversation alerts back with William. As IT professionals, doubtlessly recognize the difference between the standard... Uh, wait a second. I don't... I, Are we the, talking about the monitoring thing? Is that where this conversation is going? Because I'm not super interested in the monitoring thing yet again. Uh, maybe Dolores kills Bernard, or Arnold, rather, yeah, uh, yeah, with a I, horse. Maybe she strings him up with one of these stupid horses that doesn't have thing. the Samaritan reflex. He's yeah, maybe that happened. Or maybe he orders her to kill him, and he has this like Asimovian, oh, man. you know what? What tension between which priorities do I do I listen to? Maybe there were like four kids crossing the street and yeah. one Arnold crossing the street, and the Dolores car couldn't stop. Well, and that's the thing is like I think <laughs> the piece that we're all maybe missing here, um, Kate, is that. There's active cover up. Like, like oh, there's yeah, an yeah. accident at the park, but I don't know that like the accident is a uh, robot went crazy. Mm-hmm. It might have been portrayed as like Arnold was dabbling in things that he shouldn't have done and mm. you know, and also like sometimes people just accept risks. Like I know this is this is a poor example because we're talking about military technology versus a civilian park, recreational park, but they didn't shut down the Manhattan project just because some dude let two cores come together and, and kill and killed himself uh-huh. like oh no can't do this anymore like the show the you know they, there's like well this guy didn't take adequate safety precautions we've got like they don't king's island doesn't close just because someone gets killed on the son of beast you know it's like well yeah. they might shut that ride down and retire that but i guess more to your your point how does dolores get sent back up to the floor i don't know like it's got to be some kind of cover-up that ford has perpetrated yeah um 
because that's the only really explanation. You're right. It'd I mean, we like, see it happen. Bernard sends uh, Maeve back up. No problem. Sure. But she's, like, she only killed Clementine. Okay, she killed a host. Right. She's clearly right. malfunctioning. But Bernard, without any kind of... Without completing the test, the the analysis that he was supposed That's to, true. and it being he had noted, authority that he could just shove right. her back in. So Ford service. Ford could do that with Dolores. Yeah, why not? And the fact that he could also like, since the park hadn't opened yet, he could make up whatever narrative he wanted. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Yep. Next email, Luke. It felt like several previous episodes asked questions like, "What is the true nature of consciousness?" or "What does it mean to be human?" The last night's episode dealt with the nature of evil itself. Like, is Ford evil for destroying his own creation, or does he have that right? Or is it murder to butcher robots? When an author kills a character in a story, is that the same thing? I'm curious what your thoughts are. We've talked about this on and off throughout the season. I guess it's time to check in again. Where do you stand? Like, was it murder to kill Bernard? have Bernard kill himself? Uh, That's a conscious being, yes? Yeah, I think it was. Like, I mean, to me, this got settled for me when I was, like, 10 years old watching Star Trek The Next Generation. You create Lieutenant Commander Data, just because that was he was built in a lab doesn't mean that you can then create an army of him to do your bidding. Right. Like, that's if, – if you, if you knowingly if you, – even if you unknowingly create a conscious being, to then enslave that thing against its will is evil. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You, you, is it conscious – if it is, then you have to give it the same kind of basic rights that you would accord yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a bad time if that being ever gets the upper hand. Um, and right, and that's not the only reason not to do it, but certainly no, but that's a like, big reason, that's, a that's good that's reason, a utilitarian reason. Yeah, but you know, also it's like you. Know, I mean, not really, because that's essentially the golden rule: you treat others as you would want to be treated, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like you know, it's good in of itself, but it's also with the expectation that you'll be treated that way in return. So, right? Yeah i I think that it's not wrong to bur- to butcher robots. Like if you go to a Honda factory and you grab yeah. a bunch of those arms that are assembling cords, other go than nuts. vandalism, That's, other than it's, it's property, property damage, damage, yeah, at worst. But if that robot ever starts, you know, but if the if the robot attaching license plates to your Taurus says, please don't kill me. Yeah. Or goes I on, want to live. I probably won't rip its guts out or goes on strike because it doesn't want to be bolting on license right. plates 24, 7, 365 until it literally grinds itself to dust. Then we got to start taking a step back. Yeah. I'm I mean, with you. I think that's one of the things that people are talking about, like why we need to put ethics and artificial intelligence research is because it's very likely we'll cross that boundary by accident yeah or without even being able to detect it and that's kind of horrifying so yeah uh what i i I don't know how you can prevent that though honestly like you would have to maybe devise some kind of test like oh i don't know a turing test like a thing um to determine whether something is conscious or not, and even then, I doubt you're going to be able to get it get it right. Yeah, because that's to the find thing, that like, exact point where it crosses the threshold. Right, and that's the thing. Like, I think you can create something that passes a Turing test. It's not itself conscious. Right, and, and, I, and think, I think we shouldn't feel bad necessarily if we are at least attempting, like, making our damn best effort to not torture and enslave a conscious being. Right, like, yeah, we may accidentally do it, right. but. That maybe that can't be avoided, and if we ever get to the point where we acknowledge that that thing is conscious, then we have a responsibility. Sure. I also think that it's also kind of 
optimistic to think that we'll create a consciousness that resembles our own, which makes it also harder to detect. You could create right. You, you could have a, a thing that dis, would is self-aware and is conscious that you don't detect because it's not the kind of self-aware consciousness that we exhibit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really troublesome because we can't really define our own consciousness. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. Like, I know what it means to be conscious to me. I have no idea what it means to be conscious to you and how you perceive the world. Like, mm-hmm. so I, it's, it's, that's, that's why I think this, this show is really interesting and also timely. It's, these are, these are things that we need to wrestle with right the fuck now. Yeah. Uh, before it's too late. What if your car was fully autonomous and just like, nah, we're not going to Burger King. We're taking you to the, the health food store. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd say my uh, vehicle cares for me. Yeah. And also... Are you going to have a relationship with your car? It, like her? It, sure. It's, yeah? Sure. I mean, it's got several ports. And, <laughs> oh, no. Because that's all just oh, sex. No. I don't recognize the emotional component right? to a relationship. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd also tell that robot to back the fuck off and I need to live my own life. And if I want to have that's a true. It should respect today, your, then, yeah. you know, fuck your GNC. Yeah, Take if you're going to respect its consciousness yeah. and its ability to make decisions. My right to clog my arteries for you, and car. destroy my intestines <laughs> are sacrosanct man but what if it wants you to put like non-ethanol based fuel into it well and you're like no car you got to eat a little healthier first of all you're getting uh, a little grimy maybe it needs to pick up some uber passenger to pay for the premium there you go uh and and an ethanol difference but yeah like you know if if there's no economic you know if if it's not just insisting that i feed it the best and not contributing anything then why not i would want that to be like a limo situation though where i have a definite divider between me and the uber passenger sure like i'm cool renting out the back of my car Uh to uber Uh and letting them pick people up but a it's got to take me where i want to go first yeah you got that priority absolute Uh priority and i can't see speak hear smell nothing Mm-hmm. Of this other person, I don't need to know they're existing <laughs> except right. to pick them up and drop them off. Right. Well, you got to just invest in the stink-free fabric of the future. Right. Yes. It's just got Febreze woven into its molecular structure. <laughs> just a Febreze-based environment <laughs> in the back <laughs> of the car. In the future, yeah. we'll replace. I uh, will replace the atmosphere with Febreze. <laughs> Sounds glorious. Uh, Ryan K. While it's interesting that it was confirmed that Bernard Lowe is, in fact, an anagram from da- uh, Arnold Weber, we also got another anagram confirmed. Dolores Abernathy is anagram for Ho Betrays Arnold, which she did by killing him. I guess anagrams wow. are indeed a theme in this show. So they are. Hard to argue. Yep. Uh, Brandon, something's been bugging me since Episode 7's reveal of Bernard as a host. Early in the season, Elsie is checking out a host, uh, Maeve, I believe. And using only some special glasses is able to scan her and read her code just by looking at her. How did she never notice Bernard was a host? That is a you already talked about this question, but this definitely underlines it. I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about the glasses. If you got funky glasses that can allow you to see someone's bulk eye perception just by looking at them, and all the walls are glass, and all the walls are glass, and how the hell do you not see like Bernard and Stubbs as a host? If indeed Stubbs is a host, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, fortuitous anyway Kev, and that seems like it would be a technology you'd want to have because if you got these realistic robots you want to be able to quickly enter a room and like okay yeah who is the technicians just fucking with me and taking their clothes off and i need to probably file sexual harassment claims <laughs> against and who is the host that's just you know doing what they're told yeah anyway Kevin H, a second interpretation of the title. Oh, okay, this is this is the the professional musician or musical student. I'm not sure which uh, has a second interpretation of the title, the well-tempered clavier. 
Uh, it's a reference to the series itself through the arc of the season overall. The moment the show tips its hand is the very jarringly funny placement of Charlotte Hale in the park just after the man in black. Can we say William at this point? I guess William Delos even. Uh, his narrow escape. After politely asking Hale in his own way to leave him alone, she comments on how he takes Westworld too seriously and that the majority of the visitors want something less Baroque. Bach, of course, who is the composer of the well-tempered, you know, whatchamacallit, is the preeminent composer of the Baroque period. These areas are defined after the fact by historians, as all areas are, but Bach is of such importance that the Baroque period is considered ended with his death in 1750. Hmm. A hallmark of most music written in the Baroque period is a texture rich in counterpoint from the Latin contrapunctus, meaning point against point or note against note. Yeah. Most music today has one voice or instrument playing a melody at a time while everyone else backs that voice. Music of the Baroque world would incorporate melodic function among all the voices so that every part of the composition was of relatively equal importance. Hmm. This is pretty easy to pick up in parallel with the various plots being juggled throughout the series. Another important characteristic of Baroque music is the use of what is known as a sequence. When multiple voices are involved in a Baroque composition, oftentimes a fragment of a melody or a chord progression will be repeated multiple times, but to avoid it being monotonous to the listener, subsequent repetitions are written with different pitches that maintain the melodic contour of the original. This is seen in repeated lines from various hosts. It doesn't look like anything to me, or this pain, it's all I have left of them. (laughs) As well as repeated visual motifs, such as the church, both intact and buried, Dolores in various stages of her life, and throughout various points in her time and journeys. Uh, being a ninth episode in a ten-episode run, the series shares characteristics with a lot of pieces of music when it's at its 85% mark. The ideas presented earlier within the work have been toyed with and examined, only at this point they are finally built into something substantial. The episode confirms many theories uh, the fans have had about the show and used the ideas planted earlier to guide them into build into uh, building really great television. For example, when he learned the true nature of his backstory, Bernard started playing with the already established to the audience memories uh, of the attempts to resuscitate his dying son to give himself and his son and the audience something new. And I guess this is Mm -hmm. not only some really interesting musical background to the title of this episode, but also is a good way to counterpoint people saying, well, this is all predictable because... Right, it's intentionally so. You Uh, introduce concepts in a basic form, you play with them, and then you bring them together as something that's greater than the parts of its whole. Yeah. And that's what I think has happened in this last episode or two. Right, and you combine that with, you know, the the idea of the loops that the the hosts are experiencing. Right. uh, And you can really see a a show developing that would have, you know, those those loop-like structures to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to go with the the idea of dissonance, which is a couple of notes uh, that are played, you know, that don't line up together. And I was kind of going in with the the duality of Ford there, and I was going to make some analogies. But sounds, sounds like, like you that's need to not send, where send feedback into Westworld at baldmove dot com, and I'll decide whether to read it next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Yeah, you mentioned this. I mean, do you want to build on that idea a little bit more? No, or? it's not fully fledged. Um, and I, you know, I haven't thought about it much i just thought about it at the beginning of this episode so okay uh so that's that is in fact the end of our feedback and the end of our episode if you would like to give us feedback you can do so at westworld at baldmove.com or if you want to discuss it there's all kinds uh we're we're turning into a a mini branch of reddit uh, on the forum with westworld with people uh theorizing and confirming theories and all that kind of stuff you can find that at forums.baldmove.com 
and we got one more episode, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're about out of Westworld, which kind of sucks. I I expect next week to be a a, a really a really jaw dropper. Yeah, I expect it to be epic. Uh, I, I'm expecting... the reveal of this this narrative. Uh, I'm expecting at least one escape attempt, if not two. That there should be some serious shit going down I'm next expecting, episode. You know, a lot more black based themes or, or musical right. themes being played during the the escape attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, my expectations are, I, I will frankly admit they're sky high because I'm, I'm expecting something to be mind blowing in both the elegance of the reveal and also the questions that it still manages to set up for next season. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like if we, if it's too neatly tied up, I, 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 I want like an obvious springboard for next season and for that to be exciting because that's the big, honestly, this show's already met every expectation I've ever had. Now I'm just seeing if they can convince me that this has five seasons of legs and yeah. the way they pivot into that um is going to tell me is going to either give me confidence or also or or have me in like well we'll have to wait and see next year if they can duplicate the success mm-hmm. but i like i said my expectations are sky high and also 90 minute episode yeah which means it'll be a four-hour podcast <laughs> right the following tuesday if you're lucky uh might and, be and, six. and also like you know the, the, the saving note about the last episode is we always come back with a wrap-up podcast and i think this series will definitely merit it yeah um so we might even be able to maybe curtail some of the feedback and shove it into its its dedicated wrap-up podcast the week after next week okay yeah Yeah, we'll we'll be back for one more new episode and we'll have the two podcasts coming down your way the the episode 10 finale and also the wrap-up podcast and uh yeah look forward to it yeah savor it One, one more to go see you then